Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keen, or am I? (laughs) And I'm Mike Olson, I definitely am. And today we'll be discussing Total Recall, released by TriStar Pictures on June 1st, 1990, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rachel Tickerton, Sharon Stone, Michael Ironside, Marshall Bell, Michael Champion, and Ronnie Cox. Written by Ronald Shusett, Dan O'Banion, and Gary Goldman. Based on the short story, We Can Remember It For You, Wholesale by Philip K. Dick. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. Total Recall, also known as Arnold Face the Motion Picture. Uh, there, uh, yeah, there were so many instances, I, I'm not sure if I lost count. And if if it wasn't such a high body count, I would say it's definitely got uh, was in the running for body count. But I, I know Arnold Face beat the pun count on this one. I was So I, I was like three quarters of the way into watching it last night. And then I re- realized like I should have been counting Arnold Faces this whole time. I don't know if you did, but... <laughs> Uh, I did not get a tally. I mean, I have a few times where I've written it down, and so maybe we can do it as we're discussing. Yeah, but there's so many like minor instances. For, for anyone who hasn't listened to all the prior episodes, it's just that face that Arnold makes. We've talked about it many Grimacing. times. Yeah, it just anytime he's making kind of like that kind of a noise, he's making a face. Yeah, his teeth are bared, and man, he just that's his go-to in this movie. <clears throat> yes, and including Puppet arnold right right i mean it's every arnold puppet arnold as well as real arnold has arnold's face there are two puppet arnolds in this movie both of them were like created with like default arnold face (laughs) the puppeteer has decided this is this is his signature so we're gonna default to arnold face yeah but uh i'll say you know i hadn't watched this movie in a while and it it holds up pretty well considering its age it's all over 25 years old right now which is hard to believe but uh yeah no it does and i had gone to see the remake i'm not sure why um but but i did and while the cgi and effects you know things have advanced the the remake i don't know if there really was a reason to do it but it i don't think it's because the effects in here don't hold up well yeah, I see. I, I've never read the short story, but my understanding is because I think Mars was totally invented for this movie, and like that remake was supposed to be like, oh, it's going to be more like uh, more faithful to the short story. But I agree, like that thing, that movie. There are parts that I think are interesting, but it just it really drags. Like it's yeah. just one long chase that kind of doesn't really build anything. No, I mean, and well, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what this is: is kind of one long chase. It's it's. There, there are some parts that aren't, but yeah. But this movie has so many twists and turns in terms of just it, it plays in both like levels of is it real or is it not? And yeah, I think this is a really well written movie. Like, I, I think there are some. I have some minor problems. I don't want to harp on too much because I do think this is a really good movie. But you know, the screenplay is like flawless. Like it's almost like. I'm not a huge fan of Paul Verhoeven. I think you're probably more. You're, you're a big RoboCop fan. Yeah, I'm, I am a big RoboCop. I'm fan. not as into RoboCop, but I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Paul Verhoeven. But this script is almost director-proof. Like it's so good. <laughs> he he couldn't screw it up. No, I, mean, I don't think anyone could have screwed it up. It's such a good script. All he had to do was just stick to it, and I, I doesn't. Seem, and it seems like he did. Yeah. So I mean, all, all the way it plays on both levels constantly. And I think you know maybe it leans a little bit to the side of it was all. His like delusion. Yeah, there may be a few too many hints of that, but it, you know, I just think it's a really well written movie. Yeah, I mean, I I really believe, and that's what I want to say. I know we've uh, harped on that sometimes these episodes run too long. We we aren't planning to go through both ways, right? Spend <laughs> no. spend one podcast that it's uh, his delusion or a dream, and then the other that it's real. Because I, I do think it does balance pretty well, and you can make arguments 
and and go walk away from this believing either one. I think once he comes out of that machine, we should just treat it like it's real, but then point out the the things that seem to hint otherwise. Right. You know, don't dwell on me. Yeah, I don't think we should do two parallel podcasts. It's just, I know, I was just kidding. Here's the, well, we could do an hour each. <laughs> I don't know if we could get through them. Is is the problem? It would probably be a three and a half or four hour podcast. Yeah. So, but here's here's my biggest uh, criticism of this movie, and it pains me to say it. And I was talking about Arnold's face, but you know, it's it's hard for me to say this on the Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast. I think he's not good in this movie. <laughs> I think his performance is not good. Yeah, uh, it's it's not among his best. It's among his best movies, which is interesting, but yeah, it's I, not among his best performances. I agree. I think I think the movie works despite his performance. I just think it's really flat and. You know he's playing this dual character, and there's no real like distinguishing between the two. He's acting the same when he's Hauser versus when he's Quaid. You know he's not really good at the confusion of he doesn't understand what's going on. And like this is a character who's learned that his whole life is is a fraud, oh, right? And you never he never really plays that. And I you know he's good at the action stuff. I mean he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He should be. Right. Uh, and you know, once it kind of gets into the kind of action-packed, rollicking, good time, it fine. doesn't matter. Yeah. But there are parts of this movie which is like, oh, you know, like another actor would have really nailed this. Yeah. Um. The the. I agree with you that it's not his best. But what as I went through it, it's it had been a long time since I had seen this too. Uh, but I've seen it many, many times. What it does have, and interestingly, it's not even necessarily Arnold's, but there are a lot of my most memorable scenes or lines from Schwarzenegger movies come from Total Recall. Oh, and, it has a lot of them, yeah. And, and some of them are his, and just his his laugh, I abs- and to this day, it's burned into my memory, his laugh during the hologram. I, I've <laughs> never been able to shake that since 1990 when I saw this movie, and it, it brought the same smile to my face. And the same thing, the line, you think this is the real Quaid? That has stuck with me. For 25 years or 26 years, I have not forgotten that. I have a note in my it, when, when we get to that laugh, but I'm, let's just let's just do it now. Have you ever seen his Japanese energy drink commercial? No, I have never seen it. Let's just look it up right now because the, it, <laughs> this is the kind of thing where I thought about let's do like doing this as a as, as like a, a yeah as a, one of our when we're on a break. But there aren't enough commercials. So let's just watch this. <laughs> his laugh. This one. This is the one. So he's sitting at like a, he's playing mahjong or something. Yes. He runs away. He's ashamed or something. He's got his energy drink. He transforms. <laughs> oh man, this Here is like. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, that is that. It's a little bit more over the top, but yes, it does remind me of his Quaid laugh. That's his Quaid man, laugh. Man, and his. <laughs> <laughs> That is fantastic. I love that commercial. I mean, I, that's uh, I discovered that like ten years ago, and I go back to it at least once a year. I'm just like I need to watch that commercial. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. A, that's like a great combination of Mr. Sparkle a little bit with the yeah. transformation. I mean, I know that's that's what the Simpsons were going for was Japanese. Yeah, commercials, you know, commercials. in Japan are actually like that. Yes, I mean, I don't know what's going on in that commercial. In the end, he's just laughing maniacally, and he's like dressed in like a he's like a superhero or something. And yes. he's buried this guy who was beating him in mahjong in like paper. <laughs> I don't know, what, but I love it. It's it's so good. Uh that, thank you for bringing that uh, to, to my attention, because now I'll probably look it up once a year for a good laugh. I, I love it. Anyway, back to Total Recall. Yeah. We, we can jump in, but just my one like overall point uh, I want to make before we start is, and this, this is related to his performance, I think maybe why he has in trouble. I don't like the fact that Arnold is just led around by the nose the whole movie. Or Quaid is, I should say. Right. 
like Commando's great because there's the he, the bad guys tell him you're going to go assassinate this guy and he's just like no go to hell I'm going to do this instead and I'm right. going to get you. Here, he, I mean, some, sometimes it's himself leading himself around, but he's just doing what people tell him to do. He's like, go, go to Mars, hey, start the reactor, blah, blah, blah. He, he has no agency of his own, which I think maybe is part of the reason why, you know, he isn't really, he's best when he's taking charge. And this, at no point in this movie does he take charge. It's kind of a bummer. No, yeah, it is kind of a, I mean, in some ways it's because of the narrative or the plot that right. it is kind of follow the breadcrumbs, so you, you get that. But Well, it's, it's, a, it's a Phil K. Dick story, and his characters tend to be, Put upon like they're they're just reactive characters. They're just oh, things are crashing down upon them. They're right. just trying to survive. You know, I, I don't want to say they should have shouldn't have cast Arnold because I think he's like I said, I think he's good at the action stuff. It's just you know I, they probably should have like reworked the script as much as I was saying it's like a per, basically a perfect script. At the same time, I kind of wish they'd catered it to Arnold a little more. Yeah, the thing is, that's the if if that's who you're going to go with, then you know you maybe need to tweak it a little bit because I do think you know maybe a, a I don't want to say a better adaptation, but you know, Minority Report is is one of my you know favorite movies, and I'm not a huge Cruise fan. And you know, some of Spielberg's stuff is good, and other stuff I can kind of leave. Minority Report is is a, you know an adaptation that I, I I really like. Yeah, as much as I love Arnold, I I think that's a better movie than this. Yeah. But they're both good. Yeah. So should we jump in? Yeah, we should mm-hmm. jump in. Yeah. So it starts with the title credits, a title sequence, which I like that there's a title sequence. Like, nothing else is happening. No. It's not something that happens at all anymore. People are too impatient, but... Yeah, you I, know, thinking about that, you're right. It doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Terminator had one, but that's from the early 80s. Like, this is a, a, probably around the time when the started to transition. starting to phase that out, but yeah. I like it. It's kind of old-fashioned in a, in a fun way. It's just music and credits. Yeah. And, like, weird dripping red stuff. I don't know what if that's supposed to be, like blood or it's just a graphical design i don't know it's, yeah it's a strange I, I, I took it that it was you know a combination of blood but also then because you know you're going to open on mars and so much takes place on mars they wanted you know the the red from the very beginning oh the red yes. I, they, they uh yeah they very much wanted to establish red as a primary color yeah especially once they get to mars it's just everything's red all everything the time. yes yeah so the yeah. red light district i <laughs> i the i mean everything is red yeah, we'll, we'll get to that red light district because I have some thoughts on that. But anyway, yeah. So it starts does it starts with a dream, which is appropriate. Yes, this one is actually a dream, like unquestionably a dream. Yes, and this is maybe the only part of the movie that we know definitively whether it's a dream or not. It absolutely is. It opens with an accident on Mars, right. uh, and the the red is established, and you get the the first use of a puppet too. Yeah, he Ar- Arnold's character. We don't know who he is yet, but let's just say Quaid. Like Quaid slips on. He just slips down. A, he just falls yes. down a mountain, like yes. the clumsiest opening of an Arnold movie ever. And he cracks his head on a rock. And the well, not his suit. head, but it is uh, the, the, suit, hel- the yeah. helmet, right? Because he's got a space suit on. Yeah, I, I wrote down like this is the shortest version of the Martian in history. Like <laughs> this is just the, the thirty-second long version of the Martian. It's it's funny that you. So what I I have it way later on, but it's you know when the reactor is is discovered. I'm like, oh man! In the Martian, Matt Damon would be pissed if he knew this <laughs> was just waiting to be turned on after all his like troubles. And exactly, he, like, he, he treks his thousand miles to whatever. Shouldn't <laughs> yes. uh, spoil that movie too much, but yeah, he, he just stumbles upon like, oh, air. Oh man, there's an atmosphere here. I've been working so hard. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and by the way, I, I've only just recently seen the Martian. Didn't see it in theaters. It was fantastic. It yeah. was really, really well done. I thought it was really good too. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it opens with this accident, and you get. Uh, and I, do, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, I enjoyed the fact, and I know this was getting to the beginning, and some of this I think might have been some of the first, um, you know, kind of CGI visual effects, and I think it's the X-ray, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I really enjoyed the the physical, um, you know, puppeteer and effects. Yeah, and, I agree. and I I wish, and I know some. There's been a little bit of a movement where some of that is kind of coming back. I wish that there would be more. Yeah, I agree. I, this this period of of special effects is really interesting because it's right before CGI took over. Yep. And yeah, I mean this at this point. I mean, the, the these like mask effects were, were created by Rob Bottin, and he's one of the guys. Uh, Can B is the the house where they do a lot of like they. I know some some of those guys work in the Walking Dead show. Okay. I don't know if he did, but because uh, it's him as Greg Nicotero, and there's some other guys. It's like three like really famous like makeup uh, or like you know special effects Fax guys, artists. physical special effects artists. Yeah. Who got, came together and formed their own company? Yeah, I don't. I think this may have been before they all they formed the, the company. The three of them. But yeah, like this is a guy who's just like at this point, Rob Bottin has basically perfected his this, uh, this craft. craft. Yeah, yeah, like it's a shame almost as as great as CGI is in terms of like it it gives like you know at this point filmmakers can basically do whatever they want, but they kind of lost some of this like in the late eighties, early nineties. These kinds of special effects have basically been perfected, and, and then. CGI took over and it was all kind of lost. Like, yeah, and almost been thrown away. Like if they did this now, I mean, maybe maybe if they were to get get him again, like he'd still be able to do it. But generally speaking, I feel like most special effects companies have lost that yeah, capability. They wouldn't yeah. be able to do this. No, and and you're right. Walking Dead's a good example because you know, I, in terms of the narrative, there, I kind of lost interest pretty early on, and it seems like a lot of the audience is finally starting to catch up to me. But I still would tune in for episodes because just for a you know, a network, I know it's cable network, but a network TV show in terms of the special effects and what they do on that show, I still would watch some episodes because I'm still impressed yeah. uh, on what they do. And most of it, I think, is, is physical, you know, makeup artists and, and f- practical effects. And I think we are out of the, like, I think these kinds of techniques are getting passed on. Like like you said, like the pendulum is starting to swing back. People understand that there is a, there's a imp- place for it. Important yeah. place. Like, yeah. you know, this, this in CGI, even today, would look bad. It would not look nearly as good. No, I don't think so. You know, and it's a bummer that, like, through the 90s, you know, Eraser is the perfect example, where it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, directors are just going like, oh, we'll just use CGI. Yeah, like, don't not, worry about it. Not understanding how terrible, you know, it's going to look. At the time, it was like, oh, wow, CGI. Like, people were so dazzled by it. But even five years later, it did not hold up. This holds up. I agree. Like, no, it holds up really well. Uh, so yes, then uh, we we get Quaid waking up and introduce Sharon Stone as Lori. Yeah, and it looks like it's noon outside. I don't know if they, what time his his shift. Yeah, is. well, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a he's a construction worker. You don't know what time his shift is, and yeah. you know he, he breaking up those rocks. Some, maybe he just needed a little cat nap. Yeah, yeah, and they kind of uh, she teases him about the the girl he's dreaming about or whatever. Yes. And, they like tussle a little bit. I, I do. I do remember. Uh, you know, the the twelve year old like me, the copy of the VCR, <laughs> then tussling and her in this nightgown. I was like, "What is that? Is that a nipple? Is it? Uh, no." I, well, what's funny is um, this was one of those scenes that I went to quite a bit. Yeah, they they did not push it very far, which is funny because then the I think Basic Instinct was Paul Verhoeven's next it, movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he he, inst- he pushed Sharon Stone as, as far as it, it could be done in uh, a mainstream movie. I, I Did you listen to the commentary? Or? I did, yes. Okay, because I listened to the commentary also, and I, I forget exactly what the context was, but Paul Verhoeven, has a, he has a comment at some point saying like, oh, she wouldn't... She, yeah, she was timid and didn't want to go too far. And, right, but he goes, I got the revenge on her <laughs> in my next movie. In my next movie. So after, uh, I, I guess it's a love scene, um, you know, you don't see too much. They then, you know, cut to, to breakfast. Uh, and, you know, at the time in 1990, 
uh, a TV, you know, that's basically the wall, you know, it's like a, a wall screen TV. Yeah. Um, that, I, that's, that's a really cool effect. This was kind of a prediction that a lot of movies were making around this time. Though. Yeah. And it's not too far off. I mean, flat screens no. are pretty similar. Basically, yeah. Basically. Yeah. But I mean, between this, Back to the Future 2, and yep. Spaceballs, yeah. there are a lot of wall TVs. Just like this was the like, standard prediction from yeah. sci-fi movies. And, what, what I, and maybe I should have done a little bit better job on this one. I would have, I, I, maybe I should have read the Philip K. Dick story. I don't know, you know how much into detail on things like that um, you know, his, his stories would get. But it would be interesting if... Some of it is, you know, derived actually directly from, you know, his, his writings. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've not read it either. Yeah, and the weird thing is when it's in TV mode, it's one panel, and then and they then, turn it into a window, and it's three. It's like, yeah. why, doesn't, why don't they just broadcast? Why don't you, yeah, why don't you get the full, the full widescreen in three panels yeah. when you're watching TV? And also, I don't think we see another TV like this the rest of the movie. Like, every no. other TV we see is just a TV. No. Like, even, like, like, built into the wall where they had to, like, build a recess for the TV. Like, you, yes. you can just tell there's a CRT, like... Back behind, depressed it. in. Maybe, yeah. they're, maybe they're trying to trick us into thinking that's another flat screen. But like you know, later in the Mars Hotel, it's like that TV is just a TV they put in a hole in the wall. Yeah, you know? uh, but yeah, um, this is a good effect. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good effect. And so what you get from it is you get the news, and uh, Quaid is just beyond obsessed with Mars. And you get the introduction of Cohagen, uh, played by Ronnie Cox. Yeah, and the news is showing like a gun battle, and they're just showing people getting gunned down on the news. Like, yes. I got the body count of four right here, and it was on the news. Like, yes. well, this is quite an. This is an extreme news broadcast. It's an extreme newscast, but it's also, you know, 100% Paul Verhoeven, right? I mean, if, right, if, yeah. you're, if you watch RoboCop, you would completely expect that news broadcast to be in RoboCop as well. And that's the stuff I like most about Paul Verhoeven is this kind of the satirical, like, poking fun at media in particular. He's really good at that. There's a lot of that in RoboCop. There's a lot of that in Star Trek Troopers. troopers. This one, yeah. not as much. But not when, as, it, when it happens, it's good. Not as much. And, you know, some of my favorite parts of RoboCop um, are you know the TV commercials yeah. for like the nuclear war game? Um, and I'll buy that for a dollar. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that is some of the best stuff in that movie. And you know, maybe it's a disappointment we don't get as much of it in this one. What what you do get is you know their prediction of uh, the World Series being played in uh, Tokyo. While you know, it, it, certainly the the movement to have baseball <clears throat> expanded and, and more of a global game. They worked on it, but what they got definitely got wrong is it shouldn't. There's no way they they should have had more than one ESPN because it was only the original ESPN, and they, it it wouldn't have been that far of a leap to predict you know additional channels back in 1990. Wait, you're saying in the movie there's only one ESPN? And that, yeah, it's it's missed? being broadcast on ESPN. So I don't think ESPN really does baseball anymore. That does it? Oh yeah, they do. They still have Sunday night baseball. Do they? Yeah, not the World Series. No, they don't have the World Series because the World Series you want to have a, a wider audience than right. you know. Still, cable's still cable, even though most people have it. Uh, it is, but what's funny is I know the NBA Finals and some things have migrated where the finals aren't on broadcast TV anymore. NBA Finals are still on ABC, I'm, aren't they? No, I, I think this year they've moved. I oh, think really? they have the like the conference. What's crazy is I think the conference finals are on ABC, but I think the the actual NBA Finals I don't think are. And huh. the um, and yeah. the NCAA tournament CBS was moving crucial games to right a TBS. And stuff. Yeah. And and didn't have crucial ones on you know the on CBS, which is crazy to me. Okay, so yeah, I don't I don't have cable anymore, so it's the kind of thing. I, NBA Finals is going on right now as we record this, and I want to be watching it, but I can't. <laughs> the NBA would just let me. I guess I could buy these games piece by piece, but yeah, I don't want to sign up for the package because they did block local games, but whatever. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny because I, I just you just upset me because you reminded me <laughs> how much 
I just want to pay for the NBA on the inter- over the internet, and I can't watch Bulls games on the, over the internet because of it, stupid it, TV deals. It's amazing how TV deals ruin. Just I just want to pay you. Twenty first century. Who cares but, about TV? Get your sport on the internet, or the young people will not watch it. Uh, if you're if you're 15 and something's not on the internet, it doesn't exist. I I I understand, and I wonder if the leagues understand what they're losing. I don't losing. think they do. Or whatever. Total Recall. Yes, you got me upset of, of not being able to watch the Bulls. Oh, that is fantastic! I had no, I did not know that this well, going into it this year. I, I'm glad I didn't watch the Bulls, but regardless, where were we? Yes, so we've been uh, damn you NBA. I'm yes. just distracted. <laughs> Uh, but so effectively, Lori is doing her best, including blocking the TV, doing everything to try and distract Doug from uh, from Mars, and it, it is not working. So, can we talk about the? Can we just jump ahead and talk about the spoiler later, and just just kind of figure out how all this works? Sure. I just I just would like to get it out of the way. Yeah, just the knowledge we learn by the end of the movie. Let's just apply it here because here's what I don't understand. Okay, I'm just gonna like lay out the t- my understanding of the total plot. So, okay. Uh, uh, not Richter. Hauser. Hauser volunteered to become Quaid. Yes. And they they gave him Quaid's memories, put him on Earth, made Sharon Stone his fake wife, yes. gave him all memories of their marriage, etc. And then they're at some point they're going to activate him. What that means, I don't know. You know, because Cohagen is a line later, which is like, oh, you went to recall before we were ready to activate you, and that's yes. what set everything off. So at some point they're going to activate him when they're ready to send him back to Mars to find to track down Quato. Why do they need to wait? And then also, if that's the plan, why do they even need to put him on Earth? Like, why don't they just you know, let let Hauser be Hauser until it's like, okay, now's the time to to right. after, and then implant all the memories. You know, give him memories of having been on Earth, having traveled to Mars. Like, why why do they need this part of it? I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, I think maybe it's one that leads you to believe the that it you know the that the end of the movie. It's it's a dream. It's a dream, right? Um, because it is it's too elaborate. I, I mean, it's fun. It's, it's, right. I mean, it, it's as you learn these things every time. It's, it, there are the, the twists as they play out are really fun. But no, I, I don't know why you wouldn't have the reverse of why. Why do you need to go through actually having him down on Earth? I don't. I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, just give him those memories, right? Like, you know. But uh, I guess they just maybe they needed Hauser to disappear, and they just figured let's just have him be Quaid for a while, and I don't know. No, I. Th- I mean, I. Th- I really think that that the fact that he's there. And it doesn't line up of why to activate him he ever needs to be on Earth. Right. Leads you to believe that, no, he really is Doug Quaid and a construction worker. And Yeah, I think so. I mean, like a couple of the details are just like, that doesn't quite fit. Yeah. It feels like it was written for a recall-esque, you know, this is his adventure that is going on. The recall is scripted for him. Yes. Et All right. So uh, Doug then has to go to work, and I um, I did pick up, uh, in the commentary that you know they had to change what Doug Quaid you know who because it was Arnold they wanted to give him a different job because right. I think he was supposed to be an accountant which yeah I don't know in some ways I think we talked about it in sabotage Arnold sitting at a desk <laughs> having to do spreadsheets in some ways maybe I would have liked to have seen him as an accountant and being really frustrated yeah it's weird as I was saying they, they should have catered the script to him more but it's like why is why this one detail and then not much else, else like, right I think probably would have it probably would have played better if he had been an accountant to show the contrast yeah. That's that. really it's, it's not enough contrast. It's really my big issue with it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Quaid needs to feel different than Hauser. Um, so you get the first X-ray shot, and so before we kind of talk about the the effects and I guess the historical impact, I, I just you want to talk about getting upset. I'm, I want to know why the TSA has not figured this out yet. I want this. Well, the technology is impressive, but also they require a ton of guards. I, <laughs> They're like. <laughs> 
30 guards there. Yes. I mean, how, how many people do you need to just look at an x-ray? What I was just going to say is that is also Paul Verhoeven, right? Is that, you know, you were going to have a bunch of guys, because I, I could see this scene playing out differently where a bunch of those guards get shot, too. Right, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I do like, because uh, the behind the scenes, they, they, they showed uh, all, the, all this animation, the CGI animation was, was motion, ca- motion capture, which is probably one of the earliest right. motion Usa- captures. Usage. For- and that dog goes through. They had to motion capture a dog. <laughs> it's just crazy to see like this dog in like a motion capture suit. I no, I did not see that. So they had to like Is harness the, a rig or whatever. Yeah, on there's the like dog. A, there's on the, on the DVD I have. There's like a brief ten minute like making of. Okay. And they show them motion capturing everybody and the dog. And the dog actually like they cut away right before, but the dog decides like halfway through to take a squat and it's like. <laughs> Cut away, cut no, away. We can't do that. Yeah, it's, it's just, just just to set up the gag later. This is just to establish this x-ray machine Yes, as he goes to work. So he goes to work, hops on the train, and we get one of the, as we noted, kind of the Paul Verhoeven. He's he's really good with commercials. Um, this one is integral to the plot because it's for Recall. Recall, yeah. Yeah, and you get the introduction of Dr. Edgemark as well. This this jingle sounds like it's right out of the like 60s or something. Though. Yes. This does not seem very futuristic. Which I like this guy, his coworker later is going to sing it, and he completely does not. It's clear that the actor has not heard this jingle, because the jingle is like, recall, recall, recall. And then when he sings it, he's just like, recall, recall, recall. <laughs> you know, he, he, that actor clearly did not hear the jingle that they wrote. <laughs> uh, no, and uh, so yeah, I guess we're getting there, right? So he goes to, yeah. to work on the construction site. Or I, I don't even know if it's a, it might be a destruction site. I'm not sure what they're using the jackhammers yeah, for. Very similar to the running man. Or just like, what are they doing here? Yes. He doesn't uh, have a girder this time. No, he does not have a girder. But uh, the actor uh, playing Harry is um, Bobby Costanzo. And so it was driving me crazy. I'm like, where do I know him? Where do I know him? Where do I know him? I had to look it up. And then when I saw it, I'm like, ah. So to this day, I th- and it's around the same time, too, that this these would have been airing. Batman the Animated Series is one of the best. Oh, yeah. He, he's Bullock. Uh, yeah, he's he's Bullock. Harvey Bullock. Yeah, Detective Harvey Bullock. It was driving me insane what I knew him from. And I, I know he's done other stuff, but that's what it was like in my head was his voice is Bullock. But I wound up having to look it up, which really bothered me. Yeah, this guy's been in a lot of things. but He's constantly work. I mean, he's one of those guys working all the time. Can I tell you where I know him from? Yeah. Uh, do you remember the Sega CD video game called Sewer Shark? No. <laughs> it was a full motion video. Wow. It was during the period. It was yeah. Probably, probably a couple years after this you know, where everything was like full motion video. Yeah. And it was a game where you went, you like drove through a sewer and shot like rats or something. It was really terrible. But then there'd be like these 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 filmed interludes yeah. of this guy who was the villain, and he like it was on like a beach. He's just like, "You'll never get to this beach. I I'll just, I won't let you. I'm gonna send guys to stop you." And he's just like this villain. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and he's oh, that's and awesome. He's just he's he's this bizarre villain who just taunts you after every level. He'll just taunt you and be like, "You're never gonna make it to me. I'm not worried." <laughs> It's, it's basically weird... just so they can have video spliced in. Yeah that, yeah, that period of video games is so weird, the full motion video. But that's, that's where I recognized him from. So uh, he, he tries convincing uh, Quaid that it's a bad idea to, uh, to go to recall. Yeah, his friend nearly got lobotomized, which I'm yeah. not sure what that means, nearly got lobotomized. He must have just snapped out of it just at the last moment when they, uh, when they were getting ready to... Can you, can you snap out of a lobotomy? Isn't no. is like they're cutting uh, the, like the connection from one lobe of your brain to another? Yes, but no, what I'm saying is he snapped out of his dream sequence that, you know, basically he... Oh, before he, he, had, before to get, he had to get the lobotomy. Oh, that makes sense. That's like they I were about to lobotomize him. And yes, and then all of a sudden he... Uh, Gotcha. Okay. Came out of his dream. I guess that makes sense considering what we see later. Uh, so then, you know, it, this, this is moving pretty quickly because he, yeah. he does not heed anybody's advice. He, 
He's, he, he's sort of like Homer when the new ads come out. He has to get everything that the advertisements <laughs> told him. He saw it on the, on the train. He the saw it on the train, so he immediately heads to recall. That's, that's what I had is that he's like Homer Simpson. Oh, oh the new ads are out. I got to get everything that the ads tell me to do. It is weird because he does seem convinced when the guy's like, oh, my friend almost called Obama. He's like, oh, yeah, that's, I better not go. And then he goes. He like, cuts he immediately cut to him, him going to recall. Cut to him at recall. It's, yeah. it's like it reminded me of Pacino's line in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. It's like, if, if people say one thing, I say... Bet the other way. That's what he does. Like this, yeah. this buddy of his work is just like, if he says not to go, I should probably go. I should absolutely go. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, this is this is another one of those effects um, that has kind of stayed with me over the years. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure how much of a demand there would be out there in the, uh, in the makeup world for this. But the, the nails, oh. you know, automatically changing color. Um, with you know whatever it is, it's like a touch pen. Yeah. That's something that's kind of stayed with me um, as, as something I remember from this movie all these years later. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there would be demand for it. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it actually seems weirdly plausible, and like with like the the kind of world we live in, like touch screens and things, yeah. like some kind of like thing that film that goes over your nail. And yeah, either I'll, I'll bet that's doable. Either a film that go. I, yeah, it would have to it, be something that goes over your nail. I just don't know how it would be when the nails grow out. How you like you know continue yeah, to I don't know. and it would have to be replaced. But it it, it it seems like one of those things. Come on, Silicon Valley, why don't you come up with this? <laughs> well, it seems like uh, you know the kind of thing that would be prohibitively expensive. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, Hey, ladies, you can buy, like, I don't know how much nail... nail. Yeah, the thing is, is, right, the nail polish is just I, too too cheap to be replaced effectively by this technology. What is it, like a buck? I don't have any... Like, yeah, it's a couple of bucks. Yeah, versus the $50, you know, that's, um, I don't think it would probably be all that... Uh, it would have to really get the cost down. So there's uh, the the reception issues there, and this happens a bunch of times in this movie, and it is kind of tongue-in-cheek that... The know, video phones? Uh, well, the video phones, but what I was going to say is this, like every woman, you know, kind of looks at, oh, looks at Arnold and, yeah. and leers at him. And it, I don't know if it was supposed to be a running joke or if that's Verhoeven, whatever it was, almost every female character is that way. Well, I think these, like, there are very few like female characters in this movie and most of them are like prostitute themselves in some way. Yes. Like she's one of the few that is not it's like her and like the doctor who comes in a, bit, in a second, like, you know, you think about like, uh, some of them are actual prostitutes, and yes. then Sharon Stone is sleeping with him because she's been ordered to. Right, she's doing it for a job, so it's it's that's kind of like weird and gross. But uh, she she at the very least is she's not coerced in any way. And, yeah, paid. she's she's a willing. Uh, she's interested. Up and, down. and it's the same thing that that doctor that she said she does actually the same thing. Does she? I don't yes, know. I, I missed that one. Not up and down, but she she. Yes, she does. If she's you, flirting a little bit, she's like, that's sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, yeah. and then she... Not that you mention it. Yes, no. She she seems like she would be interested in Quaid as well. Yeah, you're probably right. But then we get uh, the introduction of uh, uh, a great salesman, Bob uh, Bob McClane. Yeah. The, so I had... I, it was racking my brain, and it came to me before I had to look it up. The only thing I had ever remember seeing him in, and we've discussed this movie, um, is, as the tangent to Twins... He is the casino. I don't know if it's casino boss, but he's like the security um, in Rain Man, who effectively kicks um, Raymond and Cruz's character out and says, "You know, you need to take your business elsewhere." So he, he effectively is the guy who figures out that they're they're counting cards. Huh, he has a very right. small role, but I, he, his hair is basically the same. It's around the same time too. It's only a couple years later, and yeah. I'm like that. That's what I knew him from, and then I looked it up to make sure, and that's that's where he was. I haven't seen Rain Man since the '90s. So yeah, I, I do not remember. But yeah, he's good in this. He's got a small oh, part. But he's, he's got a small part, but he is he's got an answer for everything. Yeah, he nails it. I like when he's the uh, Quaid's being like, "Oh, I want this trip to Mars," 
He's like, you don't want to go to Mars, Saturn. That's or, like, is that an upsell? I have to assume so. Oh, well, I would imagine so because Saturn's way further. So I gotta imagine that it's way more expensive. But is it it's just a memory? Like, how, how? Why would why would a memory of going to Saturn be more expensive? Hey, man, I I would assume that. They they're pricing it that if you actually took the cruise to Saturn, it would cost a lot more than what it would cost to go to Mars. So guess what? It's going to cost you more to have those memories, my friend. It's like a percentage of whatever. It yes, actually costs. the actual like, cost. Exactly. I, that, guess, I, I guess so. I'm convinced that that's what the pricing. I'm look at this. I'm trying to like figure out <laughs> recall's business model, but I, yeah, I would say that it's a percentage of what the actual trip would cost you. So the. The more expensive the real trip would be, the more expensive implanting the memories are. I guess it's probably similar to like how video games are now, where like there's no physical copy most of the time. You're just downloading stuff, right. and so it's just like it's just you're paying whatever the equivalent of the, the length of the experience or whatever. Right. It's just like the, the production cost. It's it's, yeah. all, it's a little bit arbitrary, you know. But yeah, I'll buy it. But yeah, the, I just do like he's trying to upsell. No, and when and a bunch of times because the the secret agent as you get to it is an upsell. But what I love That's so. True. I think I've told you that, um, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago, there were these Arnold soundboards where they would have these guys that did prank calls. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, so there, there's a few from this movie, but one of them distinctly, I, I had to write it down. Come on, don't bullshit me. <laughs> right. as, as he's, uh, the recall, McLean's trying to convince him, no, no, it's, it's exactly like the real thing. Yeah, there's, that, that one got used in so many of those prank calls. Come on, don't bullshit me. Yeah, the one later where the doctor shows up at his Mars Hotel, who are you? Like, yeah. that, that who one, are you? That yes. one I know was used a lot. Who are you? Yeah. Uh, um, so I wanted. I just wanted to point that out because it, it it made me laugh hearing it again. Yeah. But anyway, he he. So Quaid brings up the concern about the lobotomy, the guy who got lobotomized or nearly lobotomized. Yeah, and the statistics that can put up on the screen. It's fantastic. That graph. <laughs> it's nonsense. It yes. could not mean anything. Like it means nothing. He no. Could've, he could have just put up, you know, like a a picture of like a, pie. A, I mean, he, he, <laughs> well, he, I was gonna say like a okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's just like a line at the bottom saying like fatalities from it's just like from a, recall from recall. And it's just straight across zero variation. Like, yes. and then there's like a, a graph going up. Yes, from fatality from trips, which is the opposite of what he's saying. He's just like, no, no, no it's mu- recall is much safer than it used to be. So that graph should be going down. Like it doesn't match what he's saying. It doesn't. Yeah, I, so- I mean, I think what he's trying to say is that the actual trips have higher fatalities. And recall has at worst stayed constant, but yes, it sh- the recall should be falling. I don't think that's what he said, though. I think he's, he's, he was trying to convince him that recall is getting safer and safer. But whoever made that that graphic for the movie should have put in a little more effort. It just, I mean, it's in the background, whatever. But so it, 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 it caught my eye. Oh, it caught my eye and made me smile because I have a note on it too. But then I, I got I, my note is I think that graph was put together by a scientist. <laughs> uh, just ask this scientist. Uh, uh, so then, when you get to the the ne- the, uh, the uh, he's upselling on everything. He's uh, got the line "Take a vacation from yourself," which I immediately and I don't know if you had this. I said, "Well, shouldn't he just grow a mustache?" Because that's what they did on <laughs> Seinfeld. Right. So why doesn't he just grow a mustache? Why does he have to be a secret agent? Well, it's like uh, in Total Recall when they, when they show like the file photo of him and he's got the mustache. I don't know. We didn't talk about it, but that's one of my favorite like images of Arnold. Isn't it like, oh, he, what was his name in, in uh, Running Man? The Running Man. Um, uh, I don't remember. But anyway, like this guy. Ben Richards. He, yeah, Richards. Ben Richards. He killed so-and-so, how many, many people. And they show like whatever yes. photo they have in file, and Arnold's got a mustache. Yes. I w- that yeah. would be him taking a vacation from himself. I wish he would do a movie with a mustache. He looks so ridiculous. But yeah, he's, he convinces them to take this, add the ego trip option. Which- the, the ego trip. Let me talk about this ego trip option for a minute, too, because, again, maybe this is just uh, you know my my natural inclination about business. 
I'm really impressed on the margins on this taking a vacation from yourself. Because the memories for just a trip to Mars was about 900 credits. Right. The upsell for being a secret agent was another 300. To me, that's an astronomical number to just be a secret agent. That if the entire trip is 900, another 300, a 33% of the, of the cost of the trip to just be a secret agent, that seems like a really big upsell. See, I would think it would be the opposite. I would think that the secret agent part should cost more than the trip part. Because the secret, if, if you assume that this whole movie is that, is, is there like the secret agent fiction that they wrote, someone's got to like write the scenarios and like integrate, you've got to integrate their story with his life because like the story casts his wife as a villain and like they need to like customize this whole thing and they need to like customize you know he wants this sleazy demure woman and like they like all the different like permutations that they would need to plan for i would think that would be really expensive okay whereas the trip to mars everyone gets the same trip to mars it's just you go and see the sites and like you know i guess maybe you're right i didn't cheap i I guess maybe you're right i hadn't thought that if it's just the trip to mars that everybody just gets the same sites so maybe you're right that's the way it seems just like oh you go here and you go here you'd see this site and that's fine fine you might have convinced me then it's the opposite then it's way too cheap (laughs) yeah i think it's cheap i would definitely go for it like it's like it's like you would definitely take a vacation would you have chosen chosen the Secret agent or any of the other options? Well, I like the two. There are two. One option for millionaire playboy, playboy, and then another option for industrial tycoon. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah, those like, are pretty similar. So is that like the difference between being Bruce Wayne, who doesn't really you know do anything, but he just you know he, he's he's a millionaire playboy, right. and Tony Stark, who's kind of the industrialist, but. I guess it's just a question of how many how many ladies they they write yes. script in for you to to be with. <laughs> yes. And what was the other one? Was it a sports star? I think. Yeah, for a millionaire playboy, sports hero, industrial tycoon, and then secret, he jumps right to secret agent. Secret agent. So, uh, of the four, which would you go with? I think I'd go industrial tycoon for some reason. Right, yeah, that's I, that, that's. Uh, very, I envision myself with like a top hat and a monocle as well. Uh, you know, I'd probably go secret agent to be okay. honest. I think I'd, I'm with Quaid on this one. It's probably the better story. Millionaire Playboy is tempting, but you know, secret agent he, he gets. He I'm <laughs> just wondering, like, what the girl? What would be my extra being an industrial tycoon on Mars? What would be the extra memories I'd get? That, that's what I'd really like to know. Yeah, what is the Am I out there like scouting sites to try and like build a new uh, factory or something? Well, like, do you think these are all like adventure, like fun time stuff? Like, or is it just to... monotonous? Yeah. <laughs> You're literally, I'm out there like finding a new warehouse to distribute stuff. Maybe that's the cheap one. Of yes. just like, well, it's, it, I was comparing to video games. Maybe it's like the the kind of video games where it's like. You run a business, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, it's like SimCity. Or but, like a bus simulator. Like yeah. some, some people are into that stuff. Sadly, as a kid, and if I had the time today, I was. I was into the like business simulators yeah. as a kid. So yes, I could see it where I'm up there as I'm actually, I'm a benevolent Cohagen, right? I'm up there handling the colony, but I'm doing it in, in a uh, um, utilitarian way, and I'm um, um, altruistic, yeah. trying to take care of the people that are on the colony on Mars. Right, I assume all of these are two weeks long, like, whatever, so it's just like a scenario where you come in and things are a mess, and it's like, I'm gonna fix this. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna turn this ship around. That's right, and by the end, everyone loves you, and it's yes. like, don't leave! No, I have to go back. No, I have a new, <laughs> I have a new planet and colony that I need to turn around. And then you wake up, and Mars is still messed up. Yes, it's like oh, I was none of it was real. Oh man, so that, that was a good sidebar. That that could have been the sequel. And the, <laughs> we just we just came up with the sequel. Quaid, Quaid goes up and he has to turn around the colony of Mars as yeah. an industrial tycoon. But this uh, secret agent scenario, I do like that uh, the, the salesman 
basically describes the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> he just he just lays out the plot. He he spoils the ending. Like, no, and I I give because the movie does it in a couple of different instances. I give it a lot of credit. I give the script credit that yeah, this is yeah this it is what it mean. ruins it quote unquote ruins it by telling you everything. But I don't feel especially the first time through. I mean, once you've seen the movie, then yeah. But I don't feel like it ruins anything. I still think that it's a fun trip, you know, kind of participating. Right. Do you think I saw this so long ago? I don't remember my initial impression. Like, do you think an audience, most people in the audience, remember this and are going like, "Oh, this, things are happening the way that guy said. This must not be real." Or I, do you think I people I, are just along for the ride. I think and, most people are along for the ride. I'm sure there are some people that pay very, very close attention and have good memories and probably are like, "Oh man, they, you know, they they laid all of it out for you." Right. Their first viewing through. It's almost like the sixth sense, where it's like the second viewing is when you're going like, "Oh, there are a lot of hints where this right. is fake." Here's exactly, or the usual suspects too. You can go back through and say, "Right, here's here's the point where you know Kuyan comes in and um, Kaiser says he changes the story." You know, each delineation point. Then when you see the board in the back, it's like, man, now now you can see that this has just been each time he comes in with new information, the story changes. Right. Um, so so I, I don't. I like that it does it because it, Doctor Edgemark will do it later too. Yeah, that I, literally, like five seconds later, the walls are crashing down. I think it's great. No, this is the kind of stuff that makes this script brilliant. Like this is what I mean. Like this is such a well written script. Uh, and Arnold's way into the idea. Like he, you know, the salesman sells, describes the adventure he's going to have, and they cut to him in the machine just yeah, smiling. He's smiling. He is ready. I mean, uh, he is signed right up. It's not quite as good as the smile and twins. Uh, no, but uh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty, they it's cut pretty, to him with a smile on his face. Yes. So he's going in, and the, what I don't understand is, so they give him the sedative, and somewhere around that time is where I think this doctor kind of looks him up, up and down, and says, "Yeah, she she'd be interested in in Arnold." Yeah, now that you mentioned it, she's definitely interested. Like she's flirting a little bit. Yeah, I don't remember her looking up him up and down, but yeah, when she's trying, when she asked him to describe his perfect woman or whatever. Yeah, I think secretly she's hoping that she's he hoping starts, for herself. Yeah, herself. But what what I don't understand <laughs> is she's been good if she just inserted herself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care says. what the customer says. I'm putting myself in there. <laughs> Everyone who comes in, yes. she's like the babe. <laughs> she's the babe. That's great. <laughs> but so what I want to know is that they're asking him what is kind of these important questions, right? As he's falling asleep. At, yeah. What happens if he doesn't... If, if it, it works on his body type faster where they don't... Does she just insert herself? And maybe that's what she's hoping for. I'll give him the sedative first. So, so that use the default. Uh, yes. But so what I also noticed is I liked how Sleazy was not on the list. Oh, that, that, was not, that was not on the list of options. Oh, that's, she, I, yeah, so she's inserting that. Yeah, she, like, she give, she's giving upselling and giving him some ideas. It's off the menu. It's, <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and he, went, he, bought, he bought something off the menu. Uh, yeah, again, and the, the, the guy, went, they're, like, they're like, oh, 37B or whatever is that, that scenario. And the guy looks at it and he goes like, ah, blue sky on Mars, which is yeah. another pretty big clue there. Like, yeah. You know, so once he's watched it the second time, it's just like maybe are a few too many hints, you know, because that like what's he referring to? Like, he must be referring to the ending of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so then um, you get you cut to Bob working on another client. Bob is working hard for the commissions. Yeah. Well, I think this is the part if we're going to th- the, the break point. Right. Yeah. Because it's it, these characters all act completely differently now. Like he's a huge jerk. And they're like slapping each other. And it's like a three stooges bit. Yes. You know, it's like it's it, may, it would make sense if this is part of the scenario they've written to like, you know, this is the beginning of the the, the recall simulation. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I think probably you and I both agree that it probably is. Right. Um, but I think it's more a more interesting movie if it's part of the dream. Yeah. It, that's the thing that makes this movie special is that possibility. Yeah. So. 
And I, again, I think it does a good job of you, you can, I think, come out of this believing it's real. I mean, I, sure. I oh, think yeah. there's a lot of hints, but I think it's not definitive. No, it is not definitive. And I think that's the right way to end the movie, too, is that it there's enough hints there for you to believe either one and you just make take your interpretation. Yeah, agreed. But you're right. Bob's making another sale. And Bob Bob loses a sale because what's what what is this sale? Because he's talking to her and she's show there's a there's footage on the TV of a bodybuilder. Yes. So does she Which wanna, I wonder was that Arnold that they just needed to get like a bodybuilding <laughs> sequence in of Arnold? I mean maybe, but uh, I wasn't sure does she want to be with a bodybuilder or does she want to be the bodybuilder? I I couldn't quite make sense of it. No, and I I thought that Recall like took you to places, right? And I, I, I guess you can get any memories you want, including yeah, memory. Yeah, memory could be anything. Yeah, have to be a trip. I, I don't know. I, I, I would lean towards that she wanted some sort of you know tryst or relationship yeah. with a bodybuilder. Apparently, they, speaking of everyone being a prostitute, they've got this like virtual brothel maybe going yes. on there. Just like people can just walk in and have a memory, you know? Yes, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, they, they, Arnold's going crazy, and they're, you know, there's another schizoid embolism. Yes. Well, what I did like is, uh, and, and I had this. I don't. I don't want to skip it. But when Bob was trying to sell her, her one of her that Bob has all the answers to everything. She wanted to know. Yeah, but on a real trip, because no, I think it was a trip. Because this is the reason why I look at my notes. She said on a real trip, which the bodybuilder does not make sense. Then <laughs> no, that uh, I get souvenirs, and he says, "Oh, we can oh. get you T-shirts or whatever it is." I love it. It's like, well, wh- why right. do you actually need souvenirs if you have all of the memories of the trip, right? The point to a souvenir when I go somewhere with the kids and we bring something back is to jog your memory. So I think it's absurd that, one, anybody would want it and then that they would have, like, souvenirs of a fake trip. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing I didn't think about until just now. But do, when you come out of this, assuming that you, don't, you're, you aren't lobotomized, <laughs> if you come out of it okay, do you think all of that was real? Or, or do you know when you're done that it was all fake memory? I guess maybe they, they tricked you into thinking it was real. No, I would, I would assume that, I mean, like, when you really think about your memory and your memories of things that you do... It's real to you. So I, I would assume if they're implanting memories that you just really believe that, that you were there. Right. But I, I mean, like his memories of Quaid being Quaid are all false, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but he, it, and he's told that. So like when you come out of recall, do, they, do you just wake up in the machine and go, oh, I guess all those memories. No, I, I like to think that they, <laughs> you, you all get the Quaid treatment, that they just put you in a Johnny cab. That <laughs> you just, dump just you in a they, dump, they dump you in a Johnny cab and you're on your way home. Yeah, it could be. Just, yeah, that, that probably sounds uh, more interesting than just waking up. I'm like, oh, I guess that wasn't real. Uh, but I do like uh, this. This scene it took me. I've probably seen this movie in my lifetime ten times. Not this is the first time in a while, but this is the first time I really understood what was happening here in terms of because he Arnold. First of all, this is the first instance of many of Arnold face. Yes. he's just like a, he's just he's ah. really he's really going for it, and he's shouting. You blew my cover. You blew my cover. And then the guy, uh, someone says, oh, Mr. Quaid, calm down. I, my name is not Quaid. And then they knock him out again. Right. So he's Hauser for a moment. Yep. I never put that together. I never really fully understood what he was screaming about. No. I, that's Hauser going, like, you guys messed up my Quaid right. memories. Yes. You've activated me or you know, right. what, whatever. Yes. Yeah. I never understood it until this time. Like, I didn't either. And, you know, because... Most of these movies, I've never gone through with a fine-tooth comb, right? And right. trying to find things to discuss. It's the same thing here. And that led me kind of to the same conclusion that you had, that, you know, this, this script is really good. Yeah, I mean, it made me feel like an idiot. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. This is, now, Quaid's memories have been erased. They screwed up the memories, and now he's Hauser, and he's, up, he's pissed off. Cause, yes. Hey, I was supposed to kill Quato, and you blew it. 
They yeah. blew, yeah, and they but blew, then they they reset everything. They like undo whatever they did. And yes. then he's quaid again when they throw him in the Johnny cab. But the before yeah before they throw him in the Johnny cab, you know, McLean is saying that he's just you know acting out his the the protocol or the, or the fantasy, and that's when the doctor you know reveals no because I haven't right I haven't planted I haven't implanted it yet right. So I, you know I I I can see where you'd feel dumb, but at the same time, if you want to believe that all of it is real. Then I think this is a clue that, may, or you know, an indication that maybe it is real, right? Well, I mean, that's the thing. They did something. They didn't implanted the memory, but they were doing something. They, they say they had a memory cap or something, some, right? Some jargon. So somehow they unraveled the Quaid persona, that this false Quaid persona. I right. Who knows what they did? So, but right, they haven't implanted anything. Yeah. So they they knock him out with I don't know a sedative of like six times or some. I counted. There were eight doses. <laughs> Could have knocked out an elephant with that yeah, much. I mean, they're they're not messing around. It's, no, they, they got to knock him out. So then he wakes up in the Johnny Cab, which this Johnny Cab is one of my favorite parts of this movie. It's really great. I love. It's funny how now, especially in 2016, it's almost like a weirdly prescient. Like it's a pitch perfect like satire of Siri. <laughs> you know what it I mean? Is. The way it's like unnecessarily cheerful and like trying to like. It, communicate with you in a conversational way. It's like don't try to don't stop pretending like you're not a robot. Like it's like a nice day, isn't it? It's just like this is such a perfect. Like it, it's more relevant now than in 1990. No, it absolutely is. And what I have is it's like the bastardization of Google trying to develop its self-driving car, and <laughs> right. and Apple Siri. I mean, it's like the worst of the combination of both, which is yeah. great in a way because we're we're probably not that far from that that being a reality. No, the Johnny Cab is the most nice nightmarish part of this movie. Yeah. Yes. In my opinion, just like the, the world where that exists. I mean, I, there will never be a robot thing like in the front, but it's one day a computer will be driving your car and like asking you, telling you what a nice day it is. Like, yes. We're not you too far look from look great today. today. Um, so, yeah, and so it's, um, the, again, I, I think a really great practical effect um, and the, the face of it, the actor is Robert Picardo, who somewhat ironically played a hologram doctor on uh, on Star Trek I think that was Voyager. Voyager. You know, it's, it's a weird coincidence. I I learned that doing the research for this. I just watched the pilot episode of Voyager not less than a week ago. Oh wow! Like, it was like I don't know. It was last week, like last Tuesday or Wednesday. And it was because you know you and I are both big fans of Next Generation. Yes. But I've never been a Star Trek fan much beyond that. And I every once in a while I'll be like, let me try a different. Like I've tried watching Deep Space Nine. I Deep, couldn't, Deep couldn't Sleep get into Nine. It. No, Deep Sleep Nine was not good. I couldn't get into it. I tried watching Enterprise. Couldn't get into it. I was like, I never really given Voyager a chance. And I, I watched that pilot just recently. I, I'm not going to keep watching. I'm not. Yeah, Voyager was okay. I mean, there were a. a couple of interesting things i only did maybe a season or two because i was a huge next generation fan so i I did try voyager but i definitely remembered uh robert picardo as the um hologram he's great doctor pilot i haven't seen any other episodes but he's the he's the best part of that show yeah and that episode the the actual doctor dies and they have to rely on him and then they keep leaving the room without turning him off and he's like why doesn't anyone turn me off when they're done he's just like left alone he can't leave the medical can't do anything he's really funny in that He's, he's good in this as the voice of this guy like he's like perfectly like cheerful without like but also like weirdly smarmy yeah. as a robot but still like no I, I it is it's one of the things i will i've remembered over the last 25 years and i will continue to i think it's one of the best parts of the movie i mean johnny cab's the most one of the more memorable characters in this movie so yeah. I mean, even though he doesn't appear on screen he deserves credit for it absolutely um and again i think that the physical like practical effects i think I think they're really cool and, and really neat. How it, I mean, the details on if you've seen Robert Picardo in anything, it really looks like him. Yeah. Well, I mean, this robot is just—it's just like a, like 
a small world mannequin or whatever. Yeah. It, just, it just has a mouth that flaps up, open and close. It does, but I, I, to, to me, it it feels it feels really real. I mean, it, it does. And what I listening to the commentary, I didn't realize that this you know kind of self driving cabs is a recurring thing in Philip. Dick stories. I I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, later when we get to Mars, all the cabbies are there. I like this little like subplot where it's like all the cabbies were put out of business on Earth and they had to like flee to Mars. They had to to flee to. Well, I'll get there now. But what I loved is I noticed, and I'm sure it's just because of where they were filming. But Coke is very prominent and advertised out on Earth. And Pepsi oh, is, up, is up on Mars. So I didn't know if, if the filmmakers were trying to say something like Pepsi is second rate compared to Coke or that's what. An, that's an amazing detail. It I is. totally missed that. That's I, hilarious. I, and I know, listening to the commentary, this was filmed down in Mexico. So my guess is that the reason the Coke sign, that was just in there, right? They were filming on location. It was there. Maybe, yeah. But the Pepsi, that's definitely a set on Mars. Yeah, they yeah. went out of their way to have Pepsi up on Mars, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, but Mexican Coke is the best Coke. So uh, yes. That, that, in, in Mexico, that should be where they advertise Coke. Uh yeah, but anyway, the Arnold he heads home in this Johnny cab in the Johnny cab, and then Harry just comes out of nowhere, and this is kind of where it begins the as you said being led by the nose. It this this is real. I mean, yeah, it's all been there, but this is where it really begins. Right. I mean, it's just the forces are going to act upon him from this point forward. Right? Yes, he's like he shouldn't have gone to recall whatever. And it's him and three other guys, and they take him into a little, little cubby hole. And he over. They're not. Him. They're not long for this world. Yeah. So this is uh, four more bodies here. He just he takes him out and he's a little astonished to himself. Yeah. And I, so that's that's my question is, would he, as Quaid does? And I, I mean, I guess you get this in the in the Bourne movies. I guess we just have to take it as a given. If you are really that well trained, that it's yeah. just instinct reflexes that take over. It's muscle memory. Like he yeah. doesn't remember learning it, but it's just it's there. He just knows how to do it. Yeah, I I, I can buy it. I guess you know if you know if you were a great free throw shooter and you you were uh, had memories implanted that you were an accountant, but all of a sudden you had to shoot free throws. I guess I could believe that all of a sudden you could step up and just start knocking down ninety percent of your free throws. Well, yeah, probably depending on who you. If you're Nick Anderson, maybe not. Well. <laughs> <laughs> why'd you have to bring that up i was a magic fan and i just watched the espn 30 for 30 I, yeah that's why i brought it up i watched, uh, I watched that recently too. and i'm glad that they this like is, i know we're really getting off this topic is just the nba episode apparently apparently so in espn but I, I i remember and i've said this for years talking to you know people that are younger than than us and, and don't know i said but before that 30 for 30 i said i Nick Anderson's career was destroyed by four yeah. free throws. Well, he he ex- was never the same. It's extra painful to me because I went to the University of Illinois. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, no, he and he was a uh, Nick Anderson was a great basketball player. I mean, he was he, he was really good. He was their star before Shaq got there. Like, right. He was the star. He of was the their team. first overall pick when uh, in anyway. So yes, <laughs> unless you're Nick Anderson, that you will never be able to consistently hit free throws I'm again. There is <coughs> excuse me. There is a psychological element to free yes. throws that maybe maybe he doesn't have time to react. Free yeah. throws are staring at that for seconds. Like here, he no, just he reacting. just has to react. So, so yes, another four bodies in the pile. So he goes up to the apartment. I, I really like the way he's like his performance in this scene. This is one of my clips. I, don't, I won't play a lot, but uh, all right, let's play this clip. So he's this is he's just killed those four guys. He's shocked. got the shock. He's got the gun and a lot of blood on his hands because it's a Verhoeven movie. Yeah, yeah. The violence in this movie is like yeah. We're watching that. Like, there's pools of blood. Like yes, yeah. there is some consequence to violence, even though there's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I do like this tennis lesson. Yeah, no, I, I like that there's a you know basically a fake tennis player and a real tennis player. They they do a lot of having duality. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of like mirror imagery and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good point. Not something I really thought about. I just love the his the, like the way he hi honey <laughs> reacts here. This is what his best doing? scene. Some man just tried to kill me. 
Muggers, are you all right? No, they were spies or something. <laughs> that is a great line. Get down. Here he was the boss. Now take it easy, Doug, okay? Tell me exactly what happened. Why would spies want to kill you? I don't know, but it had something to do with Mars. Mars? You've never even been to Mars. I know, it sounds crazy. But see, I went to this recall place after work. You went to those brain butchers? Oh, let me finish. What did they do I to you? I like the brain, brain, brain butchers. Mars. And so what happened oh. was... Well, forget about recall, Doug. will you? These guys were going to kill me. Doug, nobody tried to kill you. They did, but I killed them. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> them? Just the way he's like, I killed them. He's like a child. He's yeah. just like he's just you know. But I think this is this is the one scene where he's doing a good job selling his like panic and yeah. He's he's actually like acting. Here, he, right? Yeah, he does. The movie he's not like this, but there this definitely seems there's a difference between Quaid and Hauser. Yeah, right? he's really like he's he's panicked. Like he's, he's they're ducking down. He's shutting off the lights and you know. Uh, I thought I like this scene. I mean, part of it is just funny. Like I killed them. You know, <laughs> killed them. So yeah, you, we move through. He um, he's turned out all the lights, um, which is somewhat convenient because there's going to be a reveal shortly thereafter. He goes and I will say this: while that you do show the consequences and there's a lot of blood, it washes off really easily. Yeah, well, you know, it's fresh. I guess it hasn't had time to like dry or anything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, somebody's taking shots at him, and he's uh, rolling around the apartment. Well, first she calls. I forget her name. I'm, I'm just Lori. Calling Lori. I, I kept forgetting her name, so I just threw out my notes. She's just staring stone. But she, uh, Lori calls uh, Richter first. Yes, right. played by Michael Ironside. <laughs> yeah, Michael Ironside, who's great. In the He's, movie. He, yes, he is fantastic. He carries this movie on his back. But uh, him and Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone's also really good. Yes, she but, is. But. Uh, I like he, she. She calls him and he's just like hello, and then yeah, she, she doesn't say anything, and he doesn't say anything. And no, he just stares there for a while. Like it's a video phone. Wouldn't he be like, Lori? What do you want? I can see you. <laughs> I can see you. By the way, uh, yeah, that long pause is so weird. It is because I do think it holds on Ironside for a while, and for he's saying week. nothing. He's just sitting there like, it's hello, like, I'm posing for a picture. It's like five seconds. Yeah, and then she starts shooting at him. Oh, mystery gunman! But yes, no. mystery gunman, and then it's revealed and. You know, in the commentary, you get it, but I do even remember thinking this, you know, seeing it when it aired, that, you know, this is one of Sharon Stone's best performances. Yeah, agreed. And she was, it was a really good casting job because she's really believable and can just turn and switch on a dime. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She, she's playing a single character, but two personalities, and she, she does, she really sells it. Like, her, her demeanor when she's like the placid wife versus when she's the bad guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, she turns on a dime. You can see it in her eyes. Like, you Sharon see- Stone really is a good actress. Like, yeah, no, it's it. It's a fantastic performance, and you know, in terms of her like stunts, I think she did. You know the you know the 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 martial arts. I, she was really committed yeah. on this movie and did did a great job. Well, in her fight with Arnold here, multiple shots to his nuts. Like, I was going to that's her go to. I was going to thank you. Beat me to it because later on in the movie, she she gets another nut shot on him. That is her go to. She she knows there's a big size and power difference. So but I think that's why she loses later in her yes. fight against uh, what's her name. Yes, because she can't go to the nut <laughs> shot. Yeah, it's not in her arsenal anymore. <laughs> Uh, so effectively she, while she puts up a, a, a very solid fight, she eventually loses. Right. Um, and then she's doing her best to stall. So she tries to use seduction and she kind of changes a little bit, um, not to Lori, but changes a little bit in her demeanor and tries to use seduction to stall because Richter and, and his goofy looking sidekick yeah. are making their way. I was calling him glasses guy. I don't yes. know if we learned his name ever, but, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I like the moment after they fight where they just kind of like sit down on the bar stools. They're just like, ugh. Yes, <laughs> that's, defeated. Yeah, they're just like, they're just like tired. T- taking a moment after their fight. I, li- yes. I like that moment. No, and I, I do too because it, it's almost like they, you know, really were husband and wife and you just had a long, not physical fight, but argument and you're both kind of just, right, just def- drained. Drained and, all right, I'm just going to sit here and catch my breath. Yeah, yeah. So you're, she does try to seduce him to stall him and she, he sees the Richter and them coming up on security footage. Which, yes. I, I don't, I, why is there security footage in just, in their apartment that that is a leap um but this being one of those movies right where it's got to be a constant chase i i understand it it's the future who knows why yeah um so then he of course takes off and what i have is he avoids them by hiding behind a post i'm like he is better than john matrix he (laughs) actually can hide behind a post well to his credit he had a much bigger post that's true yeah, this architecture, it's, it's funny because like, when I was in high school, I don't know if you remember, but there was a brief period where I was interested in, you know, I wanted to be an architect. I, I, did, not, gonna, I did not know you wanted to be Art Vandalay. <laughs> it was very brief. Uh, but like, you know, junior year of high school, I'd say I was kind of interested in architecture. And this, like, this Mexico, like this is a style, I actually saw an article recently that's kind of coming back. It's called Brutalism, just like all just concrete, concrete. and just like, just like not like the harshest possible style. It's like very Soviet. Oh you know, yeah, no that 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 makes. But like you know the, these these columns are like three feet wide, so it's easy to hide in this kind of a building. Right, it's all kinds of nooks and crannies from hide in. So he's successful, and then Richter shows up, and there we've got a tracking device. the 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 thing I said is the the actual device that's used to track. In the age now today of Apple Watches and things, it's just so massive. And I just, I know this is supposed to be the future. So I just kind of laughed. It's like, man, I wish they could have come up with something that would have been a little bit smaller for them to, to track him on. Yeah. One, one thing this movie did not predict is miniaturization. No, not at all. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there's this moment on the escalator. Yes. Right? He's going up the escalator. Some guys have cut him off and he's like, he's trapped there on each side of him. Well, before that, you've, before that, you've got the x-ray machine again. Oh, is that before the escalator? Yeah, so to get to the escalator, he has to run through, and that's where you have it where the security guards where, as you said, yes, there's like a million of them to watch this x-ray machine. <laughs> they do nothing. They just like stand there yeah. as Arnold's gone through with a, a firearm on him, and then the other side is where Richter and his guys are coming, and that's when he does the leap, leap through, which I, is, I, you know, I remember it even from the trailer. That was that was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, that was in every commercial like, right. for this movie, him jumping through that x-ray. I yeah. like the animation. I don't know who did the animation. I guess it was motion captured, so maybe no one did the animation. But the, the moment of him, the skeleton looking this way. What do I do? Right. That, that's a kind of weirdly comical moment of this like Halloween yes. skeleton. He's cornered. Yes. Yeah. That's the, the, him jumping through that glass is it's really great. Yeah. And then, so then, yeah, this is where you get up and he goes up the escalator. This is very Paul Verhoeven in terms of using a yeah, human poor, shield and it, it's over the top. This poor guy. I mean, on the commentary, Paul Verhoeven was kind of going like, well, he's dead. So, you know, he's, you know, you know, Quaid's not doing anything wrong. He's just, this guy's already dead. But Quaid's hiding behind this guy even before he gets shot. Yes. He, like, he sees the gunman up there. He kind of ducks. I mean, what's he, what's he going to do? He's got to do something. But he ducks behind this guy and then he gets shot. And it's like, well, human shield. Dude. Yes. So uh, was that another five? I think uh, this. Yeah, four bad guys and one civilian. So yes, thirteen total. We're at really starting to ramp it up. So Quaid uh, runs. I think he, he like in, a, in so many Arnold movies punches his way through glass to uh, to get on the train. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Richter's uh, scream. That's great. Yeah, he's just, it's just a scream of frustration. Oh, he's he's, ex- just, he's extremely frustrated. Yeah, he, Ironside. He's like turning red. Like Ironside's really committed delivering delivering the goods, and yeah. then. So from that, Cohagen gives Richter a call and says that he wants Quaid alive. Yeah. It's, it's weird once we know the truth about what Cohagen's plan is. 
I mean, I, Ricker is just a loose cannon. Like, he's just, right. is this the part where he's just like, you're breaking up? Like, yes, <laughs> the, there's sunspots is what I think that he said. Yeah, so Ricker just wants to kill Quaid. Quaid. Right. You know, later he gets actual motivation because when Sharon Stone dies and he's, he wants revenge. But at this point, it's like, why doesn't he just listen to what Cohagen says? Why is he being such a, such a yeah, jerk about it? I, the only thing I could take is that he doesn't like the Cohagen ordered, you know, basically. I don't know if Laurie's supposed to be Richter's wife or just his girlfriend. I, I guess they could be. He hasn't killed his wife yet, but he's screwing his wife. Yes. So yeah, I guess as, that's true. as the uh, glasses guy said, uh, porking, porking his old lady. Is. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which that line, it, it's not well written, but it's kind of goofy. Makes well, me like laugh. like 80s slang you know yes. it's made its way into the future yeah porking isn't really a word that has made it into the 21st century no that that died out somewhere in the uh in the 90s <laughs> i'm gonna bring that back <laughs> <laughs> porking so we're gonna resurrect great, it that's a great word why did we stop saying porking uh well maybe on this podcast we can resurrect it it's a good you know alternative for cursing so yes uh, i'm gonna bring it back so uh, they're using the tracker, tracker, and Quaid is at a uh, rundown hotel. Yeah, and he gets a call from Kurt Russell's dad, I have. I, that guy, you're, thank you. He did look a lot like Kurt Russell. Yeah, it's just like an older, I mean, Kurt Russell is probably as old as that now as that yeah, guy was cur- then. Yeah, current Kurt Russell, yeah. not backdraft current Kurt Russell. There's a very Kurt Russell quality, this guy. Uh, so he, he gives him some information. Again, this is not another somebody leading him by his nose, kind of, that he needs to put a towel on his head, which right. Arnold with... With this towel, just it's just laughable in like every scene. Yeah, I mean, this is the movie's giving you permission to laugh. Yes, like, it's just this is just a silly, it's silly scenario. He's in. So that kind of breaks up the signal and buys him some time so that he can go and get this giant briefcase. Yeah, it's not a briefcase. Like I get it mixed up sometimes. Like I think I was calling the briefcase in Twins a suitcase occasionally. Yeah. This, this is a suitcase. This yeah. is not a briefcase. No, it's it's like a house that he's going and <laughs> yeah. picking up. It's enormous. And this old this woman tries to take it. Yes, and so we got. I, I don't remember. What, maybe it was in the Running Man where we had that like the 80s i guess it made it just into 1990 where old ladies cursing right uh was amusing at that period of time because you get that here i don't remember her cursing oh yeah no she gives you she gives you two she gets you falcon you i guess he's leaving yeah yes yeah yeah uh but then we get the return of johnny cab yeah this is really the part where he's like the the way he interacts with this thing Reminding me of Siri, where she's like, I don't recognize that destination. Just go, just drive. Can you please be more specific? It's just like the frustration of dealing with robots in the 21st century. I, and, I really related to that. Yes, and Johnny Cab gets ripped out, and Arnold uh, goes to the manual controls, which I don't understand why are there manual controls, but okay. And why is it like an afterburner can, like joystick? <laughs> yes. How do you drive a car with just a joystick? I don't know. So he does, I think, donuts for like a minute as he's trying to figure it yeah. out and then finally figures his way out and takes off in the Johnny Cab. It's not even donuts. It like spins in place like a tank. It's just yes. like, it, you know, I don't understand how that thing controls. So uh, you then get, he goes to like some abandoned factory in the Johnny Cab to... They, they say it's a, a concrete factory, I think. Oh, later Richard on, do they say it? like, oh, we found them at the con- old concrete factory. Okay, but. and that's probably, that's probably what it was down in Mexico, <laughs> right, is my yeah. guess, is it was a concrete factory. Yeah, and he won't pay the fare, so he Johnny won't... Cab decides to murder him. Oh, that, that's what I... So th- this is, like, one of the most memorable things. Like, this is my biggest fear of the self-driving car, that, <laughs> right. one, I don't understand, like, wouldn't, in this future, wouldn't you... I understand that they establish on Mars they have paper money, but wouldn't... Self-driving cars, wouldn't you have to have some something on your watch or your phone that takes the credit? Because where do you put the money in the Johnny cab? And couldn't I just get in and then get out? But then clearly you can't get out because it tries to murder you. Because yeah. he's... Yeah. <laughs> I love the sound it of the Johnny. Out. It totally 
flips out. Is this? I mean, I know this Johnny Cab is damaged because he ripped it out, but like, is this standard operating procedure <laughs> for like, Johnny Cab? Yes, thank you. If you don't like, pay the fare, it runs you over. I like to think that just if you don't pay the fare, Johnny Cab tries to run you over, and it makes that noise every time. <laughs> Yeah, but he, he dodges out of the way oh. and hits a, car, a wall. So what I would love to see happen, I want to see Uber put out of business and Johnny <laughs> Cab take over. Well, I think it, Total Recall probably has enough fans if they put like a self-driving car with a Johnny, actual Johnny Cab. There's People probably, would love that. I was going to say there's probably brand value in if you had a self-driving car and did it Johnny Cab, there is probably brand equity in that. You know, maybe an Uber driver should just dress up in a Johnny, Johnny Cab costume. You've just given me an idea, man. I, I, honest, I, I think that's the way to differentiate yourself. Yeah. That people, no, no, I really want this guy because he's going to be, <laughs> when we go to pay the fare, he's going to go, Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I think we've, we need to we've, get in touch with Uber right away. We've ju- yes, we've just come, we've stumbled upon something before here. this podcast goes on the internet. We need to have this locked down so we can we can profit yes. from this. So then, what you get is he, this is kind of the moment where uh, Quaid can get a breather and the audience can can kind of get filled in on some things, and that's what happens here. Hauser makes his first appearance. Yeah, well, yeah. Hauser probably made an appearance at Recall right, the, when, but. You blew my cover, but yes. he, we didn't know what was going on there. Right. He identifies himself here as Hauser. Yes. Howdy, stranger. Howdy. Yeah, oh, no, thank you. I absolutely. I, I know you said there isn't that big of a difference, and I agree with you. There isn't that big of a difference, but I love his couple of Hauser performances. I love the videos. Yeah. Howdy, stranger. He's a little more smug. Than smug me. and arrogant. Yeah. That's the thing. Like At this point, we're supposed to believe that Hauser turned on Cohagen and, you know, Hauser isn't really acting at all. Like you're right. The, I guess there is more differentiation than I'm giving Arnold credit for. But like at this point, I, I would have. I don't know. I, I, I felt like it should have been a little more like, you know, hushed. Like oh, if if, if you're watching this, then right. something went wrong. And you know, it should have been more. There should have been more drama to it. Where he's just like, hey, yeah, howdy, stranger. <laughs> Here's how you do this and put the thing in the nose. Yes. You know, it's just like, up. <laughs> yeah, this is the other. It's uh, self-guiding. <laughs> the, the other mask, the other like rubber head or whatever. Yes, this one's terrifying. I mean, they're both terrifying, but this one, like this thing coming out of his nose. Yeah, I, I remember that. I, I was always kind of disturbed by that. Yeah, it doesn't it, seem physically possible. First of all, like that thing is an enormous like globe in his head. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then the faces that puppet is making is just like yeah, it's, it's there's some Arnold face in there. Yeah. So he he gets the tracker out, um, and then. Um, they're they're on they're I, I guess I don't know if the towel is supposed to be drying off or something, but if, effectively the signal is increasing and they're and Richter and his guys are figuring out where he's at. Well, someone I, someone tips off Richter first to the explosion. Oh, Johnny, the Johnny Cat. That's right. Like, oh, there was the, an explosion at the old. So, that's right. That's how they get close. And then I think yeah, once they're close, like he has a weak signal. And they, that that that's right. And by the way, I, I I took the Johnny Cab was probably an electric car. I do not know how it's that combustible, <laughs> yeah. but whatever you know. Yeah, I had that same no. Whatever. I figured we were past it, but yeah, yeah you're right. It, it is. Really, there's is. no reason for it to be so explosive. Yes. That, I, basically, uh, the, the summary is everything about Johnny Cab is great. I mean, maybe the Johnny Cab company puts explosives in their cars so in order people. to murder the people who don't pay the fare. <laughs> to teach people a lesson yeah. don't pay the 18 credits. So people around will know that guy didn't pay his fare. Right. It's, sort of, it's like a drug dealer, right? They're making an example right. out of people who don't pay the Johnny Cab. Absolutely. Uh, we we also get the setup here of the hologram watch thing, which yes. is just they just establish it. They establish it, but then it also um, we we get the sequence with the rat, you know, which uh, is taking the tracker around. But would have one of the most iconic to me lines in the movie is this repetitive "get your ass the Mars," and yeah. 
it has stayed with me since I, I watched it. It is one of my favorite Arnold lines. Yeah, rep- repetition works, that's for sure. Absolutely. and Part of us all. And, and listening to the commentary, I didn't realize that it was actually more of a practical reason that they didn't have enough money to do what they wanted to to show him on a spaceship to Mars. Right. So they just decided, we'll just have him basically saying that's where he's going. Well, I'm like, you know what? That was a good way to save money because to me, it's it's just better having Arnold on the thing. Yeah. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. And then a really good dissolve and you're on Mars. Yeah. Like, this is the other thing that is as burned into my memory. And I, I think I either on, I think it was Maggie that I referred to it on. Um, oh. with the, are you bringing any fruits or vegetables into the country? I mean, th- this stuff, I remembered as a kid thinking how awesome it was, yeah. and I've, I've never forgotten two weeks all of these years later. Yeah, so, I mean, I assume people have seen this, but he's, dis- yeah. he's disguised as, as some old woman. lady. Yeah. yeah. And so here's, okay, so we learn later, because for a while I was like, where did he get this, like, head? <laughs> right. Know? But we learn later, I guess it was in that... That, that massive briefcase. briefcase. It makes sense it would have to be big, because there's a yes. head in There's a giant head in there. Uh, but, okay, so this head is programmed to respond to the question, how long is your stay? But then it can't answer a yes or no question? No, so that what I think is that it wasn't... It was programmed to have other responses to what, like, the, the general questions at customs would be. But there was a malfunction. That's what I've always taken it, it as. It was just a malfunction. It was a malfunction, right? Not that it, it couldn't literally couldn't process any like any I, other qu- questions other than how long are you, how long is your stay? No, I, I think that it just it was a malfunction. Okay, I, my interpretation of it was it only had a limited number of responses that it could say. You're asking the wrong questions. Is that what you're saying from <laughs> right. iRobot? Yeah, I, I guess you're probably right. It's just a malfunction. But it's just, in my mind, like the idea that it couldn't answer, do you have fruits or vegetables? All it has to say is no, and I can't do it. Yeah, no, so that's the reason why I think there was a malfunction. There had to be a malfunction because you, well, maybe not. You didn't have to, but I, I like that you know, Richter figures it out. I'm not sure when he says, it's the woman! Yeah. And then they're just standing watching her go crazy. Why, why not just get in there right then? But he, he has the greatest slow burn triple take in the history of films. Because I guess they're on the same spaceship as him. Because they kind of come in right after yeah, the woman. The, I would assume that, yes, that they were on, they were on the same trip. Yeah, but uh, uh, what's his name? The actor, Richter. Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. He's leaving, and he's, he hears the commotion, and he turns... And he goes, that's eh, probably nothing. And he keeps leaving. Then he turns again. What's going on back there? That's a triple take. And it's, yeah. like, it's like across 12 seconds. It's, yes. I love this triple take he does. No, th- this entire sequence is great because I, the, the, way. The, the actress who uh, plays the, the woman before we you know, get the head off, yeah. her, she's great because her smile as she's like, look, yeah. her smile is fantastic. <laughs> when he's checking the ID. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she gives the, uh-huh. Because <laughs> you then, uh, when you, you know. This? Yes, exactly. When you then know it's Quaid, that, that motion is, are you buying this? She. I mean, she's perfect. Yeah, I don't know who that actress is, but she. Was, I did she not look it job. up. She was perfect. So then you then get. This is where I had said that like two some of the most memorable lines for me from this movie aren't necessarily even Arnold's because her two weeks, but then get ready for a surprise. Yeah, that, I've, that, oh, it's fantastic. That was also in every commercial. Yes, that that was. I I don't know if I even saw it in the theaters. I was probably like, but my parents wouldn't let me go. Yeah, but I, I I was allowed to see things I shouldn't have seen, so I saw this in theaters. <laughs> but I. Uh, I remember that vividly from commercial. Every commercial was dead. Ready for a surprise. Get ready for a surprise. Yeah. Which is another thing. I was just like, so you can say that, but I can't say no, but okay. No, see, that's the reason the why. function has cleared up, I guess, by now. Yes. But no, because when it's about to detonate, that's its, its standard protocol. That's all it's going to say when it blows up. Get ready for a surprise. Right. 
Uh, so then you get the you know kind of chase sequence, and we get the establishment that the the glass on these domes are uh, not very well constructed. Yeah. So so sequence of events, he, he throws the head at the guy and it explodes. I'm only counting because you see guys getting knocked down, but, but most of them. I think kinda, it's just the guy who caught the head. Yeah, it's exactly okay. Good. I'm glad we're in agreement there because yep. uh, that's 14. And then yeah, Richter opens opens fire foolishly. Yes. I guess he's not. This he's new to Mars, so maybe he doesn't realize just reckless abandon. Uh, and I love, there's this guy, so yeah, people are getting sucked out of the window. And I don't know if you noticed, there's one guard who just, he's the first guy who gets sucked out. He, he runs into the room like, hey, I heard there's trouble. And then it's immediately like, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a note on it, but I do remember it now that you're mentioning it. He's just like, what's going on here? Oh, God. Oh, I'm supposed to be chum, apparently. Whoops. Yeah, and he, then he, he immediately loses his grip and gets sucked out. So he's number 50, and I assume anyone who gets sucked out is dead. Oh, yeah, they're gone. So uh, what you get then is somebody, uh, the, the guy at the customs agent who uh, was checking in the two weeks and asked about the fruits and vegetables, gets the doors to go down. Yeah. Oh, two more guys get sucked out. So just, just to keep our count up. But okay. Yeah. So yeah, he hits a button that just says stop. Yes. Stop what? I, Stop air from flowing out? Apparently so. Seems like misleading. But no, I can see because the doors come down, so that would mean like everything's on lockdown, so it basically just stops anybody from leaving okay. anywhere. I guess so. But what didn't make sense to me is that the doors are supposed to be all connected because that's why they can't open them up. Right. Why did the one that Quaid escapes, why did it come down way later? A little sluggish, yeah. Yeah, it's a little sluggish. Maybe it needed a little more uh, fuel or something. It's a plot convenient door. Yes, but what I love is, I don't know if you noticed, the stare down between the, the, the head guard and Ironside is yeah. outstanding. I agree. I wish this head guard would have been in more. More stuff. prevalent. I think he only appears one more time. But, but I, mean, they, I mean, they literally look like they're going to kill each other, but they're also, the, he, Verhoeven holds that for like four or five seconds, a long time. Yeah. Of them just staring, like literally looking like they're going to gouge each other's eyes out. Verhoeven loves that. He loves holding on way too long on things. Like I'm McLarenside answering the phone earlier, yes. and like there's a shot early, early where he's he's going to work, Quaid's going to work, and Sharon Stone has like this look. I mean, part of it is like, oh, maybe she's a bad guy, or maybe she's just yeah. worried. But but like it, he holds on these sorts of things a lot longer than other directors would. Yeah. So Quaid makes his escape and then makes his way to a much nicer hotel up on Mars. He makes his way to the Hilton. Well, first he takes a train. Oh, yes, and he established the mine. That's right. right. Yeah, because he talks to the one guy. He's like, what? what's, what's that? It's like, oh, it's the pyramid mine. That's they, right. They found alien stuff in there. But this is another guy. I, I saw this guy, this bearded guy, and I'm going, where do I know him from? I, I swear, I, re- I know him from something. And I looked up and down his IMDb page, the, and I could not figure I, out. The only thing I can tell him I knew him from, he was on Home Improvement. Oh, uh, Tim Allen. I saw that credit, but I don't remember. I mean, maybe it's, like, it's buried deep down yeah. in, in my subconscious. That's the only thing I remembered him from. His name is Mickey Jones. I did see there was one credit I liked. Uh, I, I've never seen this, but he was, an epi- he was in an episode of After MASH called Bladder Day Saints. <laughs> I was like, that's an amazing that, pun there. Yes, it is. I wish I could count it. Uh, I have not seen that, but that is an amazing pun. <laughs> I've never seen After MASH. I have no idea. But no. No, Bladder Day Saints is such a great episode. <laughs> so... So we get, uh, he's checking in at the Hilton, and he's got something in the safety deposit box. So he uh, gets the safety deposit box, and it's just a flyer. Wait, are we, my notes don't show, does this happen before he goes, to, I guess it does happen before he goes to the, uh, the, the last light. resort. Yeah, because the flyer is, the, is it, on the back of the flyer, it says, ask for Melina, and it's a flyer for the last resort. So this was the, the breadcrumb to get him to go to the last resort. Oh, there we are. Okay, I just lost my place. Okay, That's you're, fine. you're right. So what I noticed is I'm very disappointed in the quality at the Hilton because he asked to use a Sharpie. Well, one, he asked for a pen, and they have a Sharpie. Yeah, they have a Sharpie. It has a red cap, and it's a black Sharpie. I'm like, that is just so 
poor I would be so aggravated if you handed me something I thought I was writing in red and it comes out black I would be very angry at the Hilton I'm just telling you that right now well but the the pen was the right color right no uh, what I'm saying it's the pen he gives him to them right if you go back and look it has a red cap on it and it's a but it's a it's actually a black pen you, just, you know, <laughs> there's you no guest, excuse. There is no excuse for that, man. If you think you're getting a red pen, it had better be a red pen. Is it going to like blow some business deal? Of you? Yes, like, what, it's going to blow a business what deal. What is the potential consequence of that mistake? Like, really? <laughs> you're going to fire someone? For I'm me. holding the Hilton responsible for not giving me the right color pen. You're, you're like De Niro in casinos. I want every one of these muffins <laughs> to have exactly four <laughs> exactly blueberries. Exactly, know the same amount of blueberries in each muffin. Do you know how long that's going to take? You're, 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 I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you're, he, that's the kind of uh, hotel manager you want. Yes. Uh, so after that, he then he's yeah. This is where he goes right back out. And he goes right back out and meets Benny. So the reason he wanted the pen is because he wanted to compare the handwriting to see if it was his, and it was his handwriting. Yeah, I like this. It's a little bit of a comical moment where he's expecting something like profound in this box, and it's just a yeah. flyer for no, a sex club. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a flyer for a sex club. Yeah. So, um. So. Quaid uh, gets sold on a cab ride with Benny, which Benny was introduced actually before this. Yeah, on the way in. On the way in. There's two cabbies, but uh, he, he doesn't want to ride. And then on the way out is he decides to pick Benny over the other guy. I couldn't remember if that other, other cabbie ever came back. I was kind of expecting there to be like some kind of cab wars where like, he, they get attacked. That's my fare. I'm <laughs> just chasing them down. Like, yeah, yeah the, these Johnny died. cabs ran me off of Earth, and now I got you. This is it. And there's like right. a joust or something between the yeah. cabbies. Cabby joust. Uh, so yeah, Quaid hops in with Benny. There's an explosion, and then this was my question to you: Do you think you know, the explosion from the rebels? Do those four guys? You think they're gone? Yeah, I got. I have them on my count. Okay, unless you disagree. No, I just. So I wasn't. Sh- it wasn't clear that they were dead. You're talking about like the four just like civilians just standing in the street. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they seem close enough where I, I counted them. Okay. As yeah, so those four, and then like four more guards who just like tumble down some stairs. Gotcha. I'm, I'm assuming. They, they, yeah. They were they were really close to the explosion. Yeah, no, the guards are the ones I was talking about. I didn't know the civilians were close too. Oh, so yeah, there were four guards and then there were four like people. Okay, so you street. got them all for eight. Then. Yeah, eight. So that's we're at twenty three now. So then gunfire erupts. Yeah, gunfire erupts. Benny takes off and starts hauling. And then when they park, this is where I got. If you if you look <laughs> before he takes off, Arnold has a line I thought was really funny. Where he goes, "What the hell was that? An accident? <laughs> An accident? Oh, I, I missed that line. That made me laugh so much. What the hell was that? An accident? <laughs> How dumb are you? Yeah, Quaid? Quaid is pretty dumb then. He knows that there are rebels. It's like, oh, so stupid. Uh, so this is where I got where you'll get the Pepsi sign. And there are the other things that are um, in the, I guess, shopping mall that's there by when they're going to walk to the sex club is Jack in the Box and the Sharper Image, which Sharper Image, we, we hardly knew you. Yeah, yeah. That was that. That's one of those. It's like Pan Am in two thousand one. Yeah, so that that really dates the when the movie was made. Yep. Uh, in the movie two thousand one, I mean. Yes. Uh, was my, oh, were those places in the mall, like near the hotel, or were they in the red light district? It was. I think it's after they drive away and they park because they have to walk a little bit to get oh, to the red light it's district. Like in the tunnel where they stop. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. just after when they park is where I think it is, and that's where you do see the Pepsi sign. So Pepsi is good enough for the cretins on Mars, but uh, <laughs> Earth, you want the real thing. You want Coca Cola. Yeah. Uh, this so this red light district is called Venusville. Yeah. Which I get like Venus. It's isn't it the goddess of love or whatever, but right. It's Mars. You can't call Venusville. There's an actual planet called Venus. That's yeah, confusing. It is confusing. But that's not, a, not, good, not good marketing. But I was going to say, I, 
there's some pun here that they're missing. I don't. I'm missing it too. But like red light, red planet. There's something they could have. There's some in. clever pun they could have. Delicious pun they could have. In a delicious pun. I feel like something is missing here. They're, I agree. I, I agree. I, I can't quite figure it out though. Well, that's the problem. We're, it's easy to criticize, but we're not smart enough to actually make a suggestion. Give me a few weeks. I bet I could think of something. Two weeks. That's right. Uh, sorry, I just I it, forever. No, anytime was, anybody says two weeks, that's what I think of. Just two <laughs> This is the episode to do it. Uh, so Benny drives him to the club, and um, Quaid Oops. is Quaid is unsure about being on Mars. Yeah, let me stop you here because there's a there's a thing here. I'm just just gonna bring it up now because there's a guy who stops him and he's like, "Do we want to know your future?" Yeah, he says, "How about the past?" Which is kind of funny. But uh, this guy apparently. Was only there to set up the sequel. Do you know anything about? Uh, I don't know if no. you saw any research about the sequel. This guy is this like psychic, psychic who can see the future. So when they were going to do the Total Recall sequel, so uh, this was made by Corelco, and they went out of business in the mid '90s after Cutthroat Island. Uh, that, I can see why that one did them in. <laughs> yeah, so that put Matthew Modine. Yeah, so they never got a chance to do the Total Recall sequel, but. They had the rights to Minority Report. Oh. And, and they were going to use that story on Mars. To be Total Recall 2? Yes. Oh, man, I'm and not glad that didn't work out. I'm kind of glad, too. Although it, it might have been good. Well, first of all, that would kind of explain indicate one that, that it's real. Like, if they're going to make a sequel, yeah. he obviously hadn't been lobotomized then. Yeah. So, so that, in, what, in that sense, I'm glad they never made a sequel. But also... Yeah, like this guy, like it's to establish that there are psychics on Mars who can see the future, so that they can stand in for the precogs, right? Minority Report, but yeah, it's something that's interesting. Like reading about the the details of this, you know, it apparently was like on its way to getting made when Karolka went out of business. Oh wow! So it was like very close. to Arnold was on board. Verhoeven was going to come back. Everyone was on board, and then the money just dried up. So oh, that, no, that's interesting. I guess I I don't know. To me, I'm I'm glad that. The Spielberg version of Minority Report is what we have and not Total Recall 2. Because yeah. I think, for two reasons, as you already noted, that I think that this is not real and this is a dream, and that would completely blow that up. Yeah. And kind of, I think, in a way, ruin, the, ruin some of what makes this great is that it is ambiguous and you can make your decision. That I think would take that away. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. Arnold, as, you know the um, I don't remember Cruz's character name in that. I don't know. I just I don't remember either. I it would kind of make sense in terms of like a progression because it's like he's he's saved Mars from suffocation or whatever. Like he's he's created this like kind of Earth like planet. It's, it's a little bit of utopia. See, so he, he wants to create more like, the utopia by utopia stopping even crime. Safer, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So it would kind of make sense, but yeah, I guess I, I I agree with you. I think I'm glad the, the the it didn't get made and the Spielberg one got made instead. But I would still love to read that script. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look for it, but I'll bet it's an interesting read. And it's good to know that Cutthroat Island has destroyed something else as well. Because right. man, is that a disaster! We can thank Cut- Cutthroat Island for not getting Total Recall too. Yes. So then uh, we, you know, this is where you first get the, the Benny's got five kids to feed, and Quaid gives him a, a big stack of red bills. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of kids, there's this little girl who goes like, "I bet you can guess your birth, guess your birthday." And he yes. says, "Go ahead." And he says, "She says Taurus." Yeah. That's not a birthday, that's, little girl. No, that's. <laughs> I mean, it's not, whatever. It's an astrological sign, so you've narrowed it down, but that is not his birthday. Yeah, he says it's correct, but still, not a birthday. So uh, Quaid goes into the the club, and he's only interested in Molina. That's right. Yeah, Mary is not uh, not doing it for him. Not not interesting. Her, 
her additional assets. Yes, she, her her additional uh, mammary. Yeah, so what? Fifty percent more. Yeah. So what? I, what is int- I mean, that's definitely something that I remember as a kid. Yeah. Um, that makes a that makes an impact on a, like a 11, uh, 12 yeah, year old. Whatever, boy. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever we were. But what I didn't understand a, a is somewhat confusing impact. And yeah. <laughs> what I didn't understand is why they chose that. That was one of the important elements because they changed a number of things in the remake. I don't understand why that was an important element that they thought they had to bring back. Did they do it in the remake? I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, I, just, I saw it, but I don't remember much of anything about they, it. They don't make. I mean, this is I think played more for laughs. That was a little bit more you know of a serious movie too. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's not as prominent because this you know they have it twice because you know Richter comes in and. Uh, she she tra- it's clearly not effective actually now that I think about no. it because it worked neither on Quaid nor Richter. Well, Benny's into it, but that's oh a- yeah, that's all right. So she was one for three. No, no pun intended. <laughs> he wishes he had, he had three hands. Yes, uh, I forgot. I have a note here. Remember that this was caused by bad air <laughs> and like poorly made domes yes. caused this. All all of these things, including that one, right. We we then get uh, Melina's over. I don't know if she's playing cards. I'm not sure what she's doing over at that table. I think they're just hanging out. I mean, it's weird that the bartender says she's busy, but maybe she just told him like, "Hey, don't. Yeah, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be bothered." What I want to know is, do you think they're drinking Schrader Brow over there? <laughs> yeah, uh, very possibly. Because yeah, uh, he's unrecognizable, but Hank Schrader is over there. Yeah, Dean Norris who plays this guy, and and then. Uh, also, uh, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? I have a note here somewhere. I'm blank, blank, but from Marshall from, Bell. Yeah, Marshall Bell. Uh, he plays uh, Webster on Twins, the, the the bad guy working for Beetroot McKinley. Yeah, and he's he's good in this. He's he's really good in Twins. Yeah, Twins. He's better, but this this is good. He's good. I can never remember his name. I don't know if we ever actually called out his name on the Twins episode. He deserves credit. Retroactively, I think we should give him credit, credit, for, twins credit because, for Twins. Because we, we talked about how much we liked that character. We I got my driving gloves. I got my driving hat. What I don't have is I don't have a car. I'm sorry. It's my first day. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that back up. It's maybe the best part of Twins. Huh? Sorry, it's my first day. When he's in the ticket booth. Yeah, this this is not as comic a performance as that because he's he's playing he's, know, yeah, he's, a, a character of great importance, sort of. Yes. So he has to be very like regal and like very important so i I wish he was having a little more fun in this because he's good yeah arnold quaid goes over to melina and uh, dean norris i i I don't know what his character's name is tries to stop me he's like you uh, you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here and what i I mean the the joke is uh, look who's talking what i want to know is do you think that i was poking fun at the movie because i think the sequel to look who's talking look who's talking too i think oh really i've got i've got it here to, to go through the movies that were out that year i think Look who's talking to came out that year. You think? Do you no, think they were trying to? I'll, I'll bet the script was written before Total or Look Who's Talking existed. Well, no, Look Who's Talking had it was the sequel. Look Who's Talking Two came out the same year as Total Recall. All right, but I'm saying when the script was written, was written, I'll, written I'll, I'll bet it was before even the first movie came out because this Maybe. was bounced around. I had notes. Uh, I don't want to lose my place, but like basically back back to the 70s, people were trying really? to make this movie. It was, oh, I it didn't was know in, it production hell for a long time actually i'm gonna scroll back up because i have notes for some other people who are being considered keep in mind this is the 70s yeah um and into like the early 80s but charlton heston no well the three names that i know for sure either it was mentioned on the commentary or the behind the scenes stuff jeff bridges richard dreyfus and patrick swayze oh were all wow. people who are in the running the dude i think we've had the dude well we did have the dude um on yeah, know, they stay were, hungry they were in stay hungry together yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I'm sure those versions would have been a little more uh, uh, serious, a little yeah. bit more like Minority Report. A lot yes. of Patrick Swayze, that would have been. That would have <laughs> been interesting. He was the flavor of the moment, but still. So, effectively, Melina's ready to uh, head up head up with Quaid, and uh, she takes him up, you know, to, I don't know, 
there's a bunch of different rooms in this bar or whatever, but she takes them in one where it's got like a sliding metal door that looks like where you hang tools in like a tool workshop shed or something. It was very confusing. It's got holes in it. Yes. Like, isn't this a brothel basically? I I, I guess that's maybe so the bodyguards, you know, know if, you know, something's going on. I don't know. It was, it was weird. Yeah. Holes, holes in the door. That's not a good thing. No. Um, and so the there's some back and forth between Melina. I think Melina slaps him and then, you know, is hugging him. It's it's kind of confusing. Yeah, this is the one thing I couldn't I, I'm not sure about is like what did how the first time Hauser came through with these guys, like what how did he leave it? Because like Tony is the guy is Dean Norris's character. Yeah, Tony, name. that's right. He's like he's saying you how could how can you show, show well, your face, face here? So what happened? And, and, yeah, and she slapped him, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're alive." It's like, I, what? I'm not sure. It's uh, it's confusing. You're right. It's it, unclear yeah, why she's got a relationship with him, but then the others don't trust him. What what actually happened? And like a real relationship, like she's basically in love with him because she gets upset when he she learns that he had a wife right. as Quaid, like a wife. You know, like she's like genuinely upset. And right. Like, yeah. What was the, their relationship? They couldn't have known each other that long because he was Hauser trying to infiltrate. Yeah. How long was he infiltrating? He couldn't. Uh, the whole point is he couldn't get that deep because they have psychics. Right. So he must not have been. So how did he have a relationship with her? That that yeah. that is something that probably doesn't add up. It's strange. But so then we uh, after that he's uh, he's leaving, heads back downstairs. This is where ben, Benny wishes he had three hands. You're you're right. Yeah. Ben, Benny's enjoying himself. Yeah. And then they leave, and he has got a line that I almost missed this pun, and I'm going to treat it as a pun, and I'm it's it's. Uh, there's no way to describe why it's a pun without losing our clean rating on iTunes. But uh, he goes, man, I know these Siamese twins. You wouldn't even know if you're coming or going. Oh, yeah. I miss that, too. <laughs> that, that's some other sex place or some other brothel. Yeah. No, so, you yeah, probably have to count that. That has to count as a pun. So Quaid heads back to the Hilton. And uh, like most people, when <laughs> when they're at the Hilton, he's just going to watch a little TV. I know. I like at this point, he's just kind of like, well, I, I pursued that as far as I can. Yeah. <laughs> He just hits a dead end and he just goes back and hangs hey, out. Watch, and watches you hanging out in the hotel room. What do you do? You watch a little TV. In the most like inconveniently placed TV, too. Yes. It's not even at the foot of the bed. He's got to like, turn to the side. Yes. Uh, and so this is where you get, um, who are you? Because Dr. Edgemark shows up. Yeah, Dr. Edgemark's great. One, one scene, but this actor. He, he is great. He's good. They, that's the thing. is they, they, uh, There's a lot of great performances in this, but for some of the small roles, I think they got, you know, I, yeah. I really like the Bob McLean, whoever that actor was, great, and Dr. Edgemark. Great casting in this yeah. movie. I mean, Verhoeven there's credit for that, for sure. As yeah. much as I'm not really into his like visual style, like he, he nails the casting in this, every single yeah. part. Yeah. So, yeah, and this guy, do you recognize him from Seinfeld? Because that's the one thing I know that yes. I know him from. You know. I knew he was in something. I just, it took me a while to remember what. This is, one of those, is, your, is it your contention, Dr. Van Nostrand, that Shakespeare was an imposter? Yes, that's my contention. I've heard him contend that. <laughs> uh, Dr. Van Nostrand. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had a small part in one episode of Seinfeld. That's where I recognize him from. He's, he's been in things. This is another character actor who's in a lot. Sadly, he's, sadly passed away. I looked him up. And he oh. passed away in 2001. He's been uh, in a lot of stuff. And so here, his character, Dr. Edgemark, he was established back in the Recall commercial. And so now they're they've setting it up where he has been sent into to uh, Doug Quaid's dream to try and bring him back to reality. Yeah, it's really smart to have this scene here. Because I think you you don't need the scene. It doesn't really do anything. All it does is basically it's him just reconfirming his belief that it's real. Right. Like, if you take the scene out, the movie isn't, you wouldn't even know that something was missing. No. But it's, I'm glad it's here. Like, it's smart to have this here to just kind of, like, put the doubt, the seed of doubt, or the red pill of doubt 
in, in yeah, the so, audience's mind. So, so did, did, did you have it too? Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Yeah. Except in this case, the, the red pill is right. the one that wakes you up. Well, that, that's what made, I had forgotten about this element. Do you think that um, the, the Matrix writing, do you, do you think that that's a I, loose reference to Total yeah, Recall? I wouldn't, I don't know, probably not deliberate, but it's probably a thing where, yeah, I you know the Wachowskis, you know, they, I'm sure had seen Total Recall yes, many it was, times. It was subconsciously like they remembered. I, I had forgotten that it was a red pill until, until this viewing, I had forgotten about that. And immediately the first thing I wrote, why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Yeah. Well, it's, it's the kind of thing where, uh, oh no, I guess, no, the red pill is what wakes you up then. Right. No, the, so it's the same. Be, yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. And then the, the blue pill is the right. one that he would have just, you know, continued on and never been brought back to reality. So in this case, it's not, you, you don't swallow a blue pill, you just spit out the red pill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess it is weird in the Matrix, I never thought about that, but why is there a pill to just keep things as they are? <laughs> but that pill doesn't do anything then, it's just like, there's no need, like really, either take the red pill or don't take the red pill, that's the choice, isn't it? Well, like I think, isn't it in the Matrix he takes the red pill because it brings him back to reality? Right, but I'm saying, why even need another pill? Oh. Either you take the pill to go to reality, or you don't. Like, oh. What if he had? Done, what if he had done nothing? It's basically the same as taking the blue pill. Taking the blue pill, so you're right. you don't need the blue pill. Like this, this it makes more sense here than in the Matrix. Yeah, he, he, this, this is where the beat of sweat. Yeah, so effectively, you know, it's a lot of back and forth. Lori, and that, and this is another, I think, great moment with Sharon Stone. They bring her in, and and she's got the complete concerned wife. And oh, right, yeah. totally believable. Yeah. And Edgemark, you know, the actor, he does a great job that he's trying to say, you know, he's got a gun basically pointed at his head with somebody who's potentially delu- or delusional. Right. And he's not skipping a beat because he, he claims he has nothing to fear because it's not reality. Yeah. And I guess th- this beat is sweat. Like, this is an indication to Quaid that this is, a, this is real because the guy's right. afraid for his life. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, that once you get that is that as he's getting closer, he's got the pill, he's about to do it, that's when the sweat shows up and that's when Quaid snaps. He's like, no, you know, this guy clearly yeah. is fearful of something and that uh, Dr. Edgemark, we hardly knew ye. Yeah, he's, he's number 24. But like, it's another thing. Like, you could say that this is an indication that it's real. Like, there are, hint, there are clues either way. But at the same time, like, if this is all real, what's Cohagen's plan here? He sent this guy in to get him to take this pill to like drug him and pull him in. It's like, well, that's not what he wants. He wants to, he, he wants, wants him to infiltrate. to infiltrate and find Quato. Right. So it doesn't really, this, this scene, I, 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 maybe there's a justification for this if everything's real, but I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're, he's trying to get him, Cohagen to get him to come in so that they can get him back on the right track. Um, cause, cause maybe, maybe, or, or maybe they think he hit a dead end a with Molino. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, maybe that's that's yeah. what it is. So they're, I, they're trying to give him a push. Like, yeah, oh, he's, a he's giving up. Yeah, he's giving up. He's sitting and watching TV. This isn't. It's like the Truman Show, right? They're watching him. It's like this is boring. He's just sitting and watching TV. We got to get him a nudge. Typical vacation. He's in, he's on Mars and he's yes. just going to sit in the hotel instead of seeing the sights. He's sitting in the hotel <laughs> watching the news. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, yeah, so as you said, Dr. Edgemark, we hardly knew ye, and Lori, this is again, she goes right back to the, the given, yeah. gives him the nut shot. Yeah, and the guys burst through the wall and, like, overpower him. And- yeah, oh, and we, and we didn't, co- I mean, we covered a little bit, but this is another one of the scenes. Edgemark lays out exactly what's about to happen. Right, the walls are going to crumble down. Come, crumble it. down, and all, all of these things, this is, you know, McLean at Recall did it, and now Edgemark gives you, you know, more of the sequencing of what's about to happen. Yeah, so they overpower him. Yeah, she gets another nut shot in, and then cut to uh, Richter and, and, and glasses guy just hanging out at the hanging out at the bar, having a Pepto Bismol or something. I, don't know what <laughs> I didn't know what that was. And there's a weird thing on the wall behind them. The Miller Light sign. Or? Yeah, what is that? It's I like, don't. It was like a basketball. I have no idea what it is. I, I, I said it. it's like C three PO shooting a free throw. Oh, C three 
three field. That's great. This is really the basketball episode, but yeah, it's, 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 that's what it looked like to me. So uh, she tells them that they're going to use the service elevator, which that's what I'm really, I don't understand is why was Melina coming up the service elevator? I guess like the rebels were monitoring somehow, monitoring him. Like I, I get, oh, maybe they got plants or something. Or I don't something. know. I, who knows? But uh, yeah, somehow they know now that Cohagen's men came for Quaid and that's an indication to them that Quaid's okay. Quaid's, for, yeah, legit. Yeah. And so uh, Melina saves the day, takes out the four henchmen, and then you have... This is, I think, the first instance I remember of like you know two action, you know, female action stars in yeah. in a you know a, a martial arts sequence. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't think of really any instance before this. Like just like a one on one fight, but it, like an actual fight, not like a right. cat fight. No, like, like a legitimate martial, arts, martial fight. arts fight. It's one of the first I remember. The only disappointment i have is there in subsequent movies from this it seems many times what wound up happening is if there was a female hero they would cast a female villain or vice versa just to have one so that they could square off right well we talked about it in the batman and, yeah. and robin yeah so that's a that's a great example girl fights uh, yeah. what's her name uh poison ivy. poison ivy yeah you're right i mean it, it, it doesn't feel forced here like it no it just comes it happens to come down to the two of them and it, it, right. it happens naturally it yes. doesn't feel like they cast one person just to have a counterbalance to right. the other yeah both of these characters have a, an important role in the plot absolutely they're not yeah one is not just there to be the foil for the other i agree right. like it's really well done uh, and, it's, and it's a good fight like they do a good job yeah they, they do both. a really good job in the end uh are, <laughs> what even sharon stone all the way to the last last minute i mean she snaps back you yeah. know trying to save herself as that she's Lori. this is where i really put had the note just like sharon stone is good in this movie yeah the way she snaps back to being the loving wife yes honey we're married consider that a divorce <laughs> which is good it's, it's an okay it, line. it's an okay it's not as I, mean, I think people probably remember it but it's it's not as good as I think it could be. Yeah, it's it's more it's remembered more than it should be, but it's still it's okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not, it's not one of his greats, even though people were, seem to think of it as one of his like great lines. It's no, nah, it's all right. Um, but so yeah, add Lori to the body count. Yeah, she, she she's gone. Those four guys plus her are at twenty nine. Uh, those four henchmen are really terror. Like they don't even react to Melina no. shooting them. Melina like, just mows them down. Yeah, and, but uh, whatever. So then uh, the the chase begins again, and Glasses Guy and Richter are well. Glasses Guy really is is behind, and then Richter discovers um, Laurie, and this is when he really has then the motivation that he wants to kill Quaid. Yeah, and I'm surprised he doesn't shoot because there's a moment where they like jump to that whatever that is like the structure, and right. Glasses Guy won't shoot. He's like, oh, it'll blow out the windows. And Richter looks like he's going to shoot because he wants to get revenge for Sharon Stone. Oh, he does. He squeezes one off. Oh, that's right, and it hits and the it pole. Hits the pole. And then that's when, he's like, that's when he tells him, you can't, you'll crack the dome, and we'll, right, right, we'll, right. we'll all be dead. You're right, I misremembered that. But yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's really upset. I love they get down to the street level again, and they, they, Benny's there. Yes. They hop in the cab, his line, he just goes, what, you guys are in trouble? <laughs> I don't know why that makes <laughs> you laugh. It's such a strange thing to say. You guys are in trouble? Yeah. Not, not danger, no, you're, you're in trouble. trouble. Benny, I, I notice here, some, for some reason, Benny's cab has two steering wheels. I don't understand oh, why. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but it does. So One's for Johnny cab. He ripped it out. <laughs> <laughs> so Benny takes off, and Richter and Glasses Guy are in hot pursuit behind. Uh, they get the kind of 
big drill thing established yet again. This is, I think, maybe the second time. The first cab ride, I think, they establish it. Yeah, I think Benny talks about it at some point. Like, yeah, they yeah. drill these tunnels or whatever. But yeah, that, this maybe is the first time we see it, or maybe maybe we. I think it's them. the second time, but whatever. So you get the drill, he avoids it. Yeah. Then they're heading basically back to the sex club. Yeah, it's, chase is not that interesting. It's just shooting no. back and forth, and it's tunnels. It's not you can't do an exciting chase in that tunnel. No. Yeah, it's just it's straight. What can yeah, you do? It's basically it's get to point A to point B, which it does. But Benny has no brakes and crashes into some shop, and I love it. And the, the, it's kind of quiet, but you can hear Quaid going, "You idiot!" Yes. <laughs> Thank you for highlighting. <laughs> Love that. It's like, why is it his fault he doesn't have any brakes? Why is he an idiot? <laughs> it's weird. It's like, it's so weirdly like low in the mix. It's like, yeah, you, you kind of can't hear it, but when you hear it, it's just like, it's, it's very distinct. It's really funny. Uh, so they, Benny, they all run, and there's like a secret trap door, like from Clue, and they uh, are escaping down the tunnels. Yeah, is everyone in this place in on this? There isn't a single Cohagen sympathizer. Like they went right in there. Yes, <laughs> you know? it, it, that is a bit of a, the, a leap. The, the solidarity of these mutants is really. I mean, we learned Benny is, uh, you know, he's a traitor to his. Yes. You'd think there'd be at least one more. It's like, hey, right there. The only one was Benny, and he was an outsider. Apparently. I guess he should have stayed. He should have hung back and just pointed at the wall. Yeah. Know? Instead, he comes with. Uh, and so then, you know, they're in the sex club, Tony and everybody's acting like everything's normal. And, uh, I can't remember who's, uh, the three mammaries. What was her name? Mary's her name. Mary tries hawking her wares again and Richter, no, nope. Richter, and shoots her in the back, yeah, no he less. Wait, he waits for her to turn her back. Yeah, he's, Richter, I mean, it's really establishing he's a bad guy. Yeah, he is. He's a good, I mean, I mean Michael Ironside is, I mean, he, he's fantastic i mean if you're gonna use like the bond template he's technically the henchman he's not like, the main bad guy right. but like in terms of like villainy oh he's way more villainous yeah, than cohagen is he's great yeah there's a bunch of deaths here so I, I, in the end i've got uh eight total I, in the end of 37 because they, they shoot shoot and everyone starts shooting back and there's a big gunfight yeah the the glasses guy is the one no, noteworthy right. one he gets a knife to the testicles and then as you see the knife is actually up by like his chest so she took it from the bottom, like all the way up, it's off screen, but it oh, probably wow. was like really graphic, and I bet you they they changed it to to try and maintain their rating. Boy, I didn't notice that, but yeah, I, I do know that there was something in the, the behind the scenes talking about how they initially got an X rating for violence, and they did yeah, tone, they did tone a tone lockdown way back. Uh, that was one I guarantee you it was probably yeah. very much more Paul Verhoeven because she starts low and when yeah. you see the knife because he's just laying there then it's like near his heart so it was probably really bad I didn't notice it but I'll bet you're right like yeah. that sounds that sounds very that sounds like a very Paul Verhoeven shot yes and then you got Richter though doing like the Superman yeah. out through the window which is great the window right next to the door yes he could have just run out the door he is like yeah, he's for whatever reason he just panics for a while. <laughs> it's so out of character for yes. this. He totally loses it. Let's get out of here. It's a pretty great leap, though. It's, like, it's it an is. impressive leap. So then he gets back. Richter gets back to his car, and Cohagen's on the um, on the the video screen and says, "Once he finds out that they've got him trapped, he says, right. All right, pull all the guys out.'" Well, you think? I think the first time you're watching, you're supposed to think they're pulling them out because he's going to shot out the air. Yeah, but in actual actuality, he just wants doesn't want him to kill. Quaid until because he's right gotten, until he's got the infant. gotten to Quado. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but should, I think it does a good job balancing right because then yeah, they it's, it's have cool. him shut off the air so that when you're first time through, that's what you think. I they right. make it plausible the reason why he's telling them to pull out. Yeah, the screenplay does a good. It it, it it generally makes things make sense for multiple reasons. I do like they, they shut off the air and all the mutants kind of come out and like look up at the fan and ominously. There's one guy, I don't know if, it looks to me like he's got, like, a helmet with air hoses connected to it. So oh, I didn't see that. I kind of wish that guy was just like, hey, I told you guys. Yeah, he's like a prepper, yeah. and he's, he's been waiting for this and waiting for this. Yeah, All right. Like, but what would be great, too, is that he, he's laughing, and then somebody realizes and just kills him and takes right, his gear. I'll take this. 
So, you know, this is, we get a little bit of a history lesson uh, about um, the the colony, and yeah. we learn Benny's a mutant, kind of in there, when they're escaping through they're the, the through tunnels, the, the catacombs or whatever. Yeah, they're going through like a, like a tomb or whatever for the, yeah. the first settlers' tomb. Yeah, the first settlers. Yeah, and uh, this moment where he goes like, she's, she's just like, oh, Coato will restore your memories. Maybe you'll remember that you loved me. And he goes, I don't need Coato for that. What do you really? He's known her for ten minutes. Yeah, it, he had he, he had the one scene in the room in the in the brothel, and she slaps him and sends him away, pulls a gun on him, and then this chase. It's like what you're in love with her now? I, I you know maybe it's part of his like programming or whatever. Go ahead it, and put it that is in. it is reminiscent of Commando, where just somehow Radon Chong all of a sudden Cindy just starts wanting to be you know right help. Uh, but they don't follow through with that in Commando. No, they don't, because well, it might have been cut. But the, right. the point is, it is a, a very quick quick change. Yeah. So this guy gets a drop on him this rebel with an amazing voice. I love this guy's voice. And the guy's voice is great. Like, hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> he sounds like a Miami Vice extra. Ooh, that's, yeah, that <laughs> is a good one. Crockett and Tubbs, they know what's up. Like, you know, he has this <laughs> we've got to go. He has this weird voice, yeah. Um. So from there, yeah, we get... Uh, Cohagen uh, discovered something. What we learn is Cohagen discovered something that Quaid knows about. Uh, or Cohagen discovered something that Quaid knows about, or is it the reverse? Or maybe it's the re- yeah, maybe it is the reverse. In my note, is Richter wrong. discovered something yes. that Cohagen knows about. Yeah. So I mean, uh, Cohagen knows, I guess, that this this reactor. We don't know about the reactor yet, but we're about to learn that it created, that it creates air. Yes. And that Richter, the idea is the cover story is that Richter learned something, and that's what. Is dangerous to what can or destroy Cohagen Hauser, not Richter. Right, Hauser. You're right. Yeah, Hauser. Yeah. So then, effectively, we we get Quato. Yeah, Marshall Bell gains sixty pounds yeah. and turns around and becomes Quato. <laughs> yes, gains sixty pounds. Thank you. I just like the idea that he's in there the whole time. Like, there's a the moment in the the bar where he's holding back Tony, like, "Hey, take it easy. Don't leave leave uh, Quaid alone." Yeah. I just like the idea that inside the. Quad is also holding him back. Yes. Like, you know, like, the idea that he's been in there the whole time. But uh. it is pretty interesting. So then what I've got is Quato just like they're holding hands and open your mind. Yeah. And you wow. get like a weird like fly through of the Yeah, the, of the machine. Yeah. And so so we see a little bit of Cohagen and Richter like walking through talking about the reactor and like we don't know what it does. What if it blows up is that a flashback or is that That's happening? what I didn't understand because they don't show Hauser there. That seems to be a little bit of a missing piece. You right. see Richter there, some scientist guys and Cohagen. I guess you have to assume that it would be unfair if Hauser you just didn't see him, but he was there. Maybe they thought that would tip off the twist yeah. that Hauser's with them. But you, yeah. you knew that he worked for Cohagen at some point. Yeah. I, I I probably would have had him there just because otherwise how does he know about this right just make it a flashback instead right. of like the weird like flying through the camera flying through the thing yeah I guess it's just supposed to be like a magical he's got like psychic powers he's like seeing, he can fill in the blanks yeah he's seeing the path he's like uh, Bran in Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. yes he's the three eyed raven yeah. so then uh, from here that we we get the machine and then there's just drills coming everywhere yeah this this scene. Like, just so many drills. They really overdo it. There's, like, probably 30 Rebels here. Yes, <laughs> so and there's, guys. like, five or six different entry points of these yeah. moles or whatever. So, yeah, Quaid three, kills three bad guys before he runs with everybody else. And then there's a bunch a bunch of Rebels just get killed. So, three bad guys, and then I got a shot where two Rebels and two soldiers die, and then seven straight losses for the Rebels. They just yeah. get mowed down. They're just, it, it's not looking good. So, 51 right now. It's climbing fast. Climbing fast, and so then um, Quaid... They're going for the spacesuits. They're going for the spacesuits. They make the mistake of 
Benny the mutant who's indicated that, uh, and everybody's like, oh yeah, he must be okay. He's a mutant. Right. Well, they they picked the wrong mutant. They, he specifically, uh, I think Quaid waits for him. He's like, yes. Benny, come on. Yeah, like, no, he's he's trying to because there's two there's two rebel like, guards that get gunned down just as Benny makes his way. So it's yeah, they 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 sacrificed themselves for Benny, and that was not the right sacrifice yeah, to make. Mistake for sure. Uh, uh, so yeah. so Benny mows down Quato. We mows down George first, which is like which is yes. Marshall Bell's character's name. I'm treating this as two. That's fair. separate. Yeah. they seem like it seems separate. like yeah, they're two different people, people or not beings. Right, exactly. So yeah, uh, Benny kills George, and then uh, Richter comes in and finishes off Quato. Where he's saying, "Start the reactor," and then yes, I mean I know it's a, like a puppet or whatever, but it's still like <laughs> when Quato gets shot in the head, it's pretty graphic. His little head, yeah, yeah it's kind of uh, disturbing. And then. Uh, <laughs> Benny forgets how many kids he has to feed. This is oh, right. Because in two different instances, he gives five kids to feed, and then he admits, yeah, it's all a lie. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a funny moment. It is. So I, I guess we learn later that Quato, like, Hauser knew what the reactor did, and so now Quato knows, and that's why he's saying start the reactor, because now he knows. I, I, yeah, I think that's that's the leap. But for for a while, I wasn't sure, like, when I was watching rewatching, I was going, like, does he? Does Quato know what it's going to do? Like, in my mind, it was kind of like, start the reactor. Either, either it'll save the planet or it'll blow it up. Either way, Kohagen will be pretty cheap. <laughs> you know? It, uh, he just wants revenge. He's been yeah. killed. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of wondered if maybe Quato didn't know. He's just like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll so, see what happens. The worst case scenario is everybody's dead, but Kohagen is among right. the dead. So Kohagen loses. The rest are collateral damage. Collateral damage. Yeah, go ahead and lose we, either way. We should just use that guy's line all the time. <laughs> collateral damage. I should just yeah, export it to like a wave and I'll play yes. it whenever, whenever there's collateral damage. <laughs> I think we just, we've expanded something on the podcast. Because when we started out, you were going to do like a bell for each, each yeah, that kill. Didn't, that didn't, that last, didn't last. But maybe we can't have a wave pop for collateral damage. <laughs> I'll have to, uh, have to pay for that movie again to get the, the sound yeah. clip. That's the thing. I only rented it. Uh, okay, so... The uh, Cohagen, by, by the way, by, played by Ronnie Cox. We haven't given him a lot of credit. That's I, true, yeah. I, I, Ronnie Cox is great in this movie. I, it, it basically is the same character for RoboCop. Yeah. I prefer him in RoboCop. That's not to say he's bad in this, but it's just, to me, I saw RoboCop first. I absolutely love him as the executive at OCP in RoboCop. But he, he's great here, too. And he's not super villain. He's, he's not as villainous as Richter, but he is a great villain. I mean, he, you... He totally. You understand his self interest. Like yeah. he has control of this planet, and he's not going to yeah. give it up. He's like, got a great life. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I, I don't want to say sympathetic because he's certainly not sympathetic. No. He's willing to let people. But, die. but you logically, you understand why he's he's not interested in things changing. Yeah. Whereas Richter is kind of a sadist. He wants to. He likes his job. He wants to kill. Yeah. So Cohagen thanks Quaid and calls him a hero, which uh, Arnie drops an f. Well, uh, Quaid drops an f bomb on him uh, in response right. to that. Quaid isn't a believer, and so the only the only thing that's going to make him a believer is asking himself, yeah, or hearing it from himself. Someone special is going to say, "Who is it? My mother?" Yeah. Oh, th- you, yes, I forgot about it. <laughs> Who's next? My mother. What I love about this second this message is like it's it's basically the exact same like as the first one. It's just like howdy Quaid. No, howdy Quaid. If the first one was howdy stranger, this one was howdy Quaid. But I love they're both like in the first one. It's like if you're watching this, something went wrong and you've got a towel around your head. And then the second one, he's going, if you're watching this, that means that it worked and you got to Quato and he's dead. 
I, I just wondered how many more because they were obviously filmed like back to back. Like yeah. these both of these videos. I wondered if maybe they'd filmed like a whole bunch of scenarios. Like, okay, what if what if the <laughs> how, if seen how, this version? <laughs> if you've seen this clip, it means that you were arrested at the airport for taking a, a bomb head on a plane. You know, like how, I, many, how many scenarios did they plan? For? Oh, you know, it's funny that you say that because I joked about iRobot. So it kind of plays to that how it's implausible to have like video in these types of things because right. in iRobot they, they I you know I'm not programmed to answer that you know you've asked the wrong question. Right. Is that that's what they should have? Is if it's the wrong scenario oh, howdy quaid you've got the wrong scenario i couldn't record <laughs> this one right we're just like now let's do a silly one yeah. <laughs> howdy quaid if you're watching this on your birthday happy birthday happy birthday quaid let it's me- my birthday too yes let me sing it in german <laughs> uh so <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah i, I well, I do. I enjoy this video, not just the Howdy Quaid, but just there's a really long smile by Arnold. <laughs> well, they pan Did, out to Kohagen to reveal that he's standing next to him. Yes. And, and then there's this awkward, like, we'll see like, each other in our dreams. Long, yeah. long pause. You never know. You ne- Thank you. There it is. You never know. And they just wander out of and frame. And they just wander out of frame. <laughs> the awkwardness of that of the end of that clip is so funny. No, it's and we we said before it's very Verhoeven that he, he he stayed on it too long, but <laughs> right. it was great. I mean, it was great. It's like it's, they didn't know what to do. So well, you never know. <laughs> it's great the way that they, like they're waiting for someone to yell cut, and no one's yelling cut, so they just wander away. Yes. Uh, and then so we're gonna go and have them reprogrammed, and yeah. uh, they're going back into the chairs. Yep. It's some more Arnold face. So they've got another one of these facilities on Mars, I guess. I don't Apparently know if this is so. a recall company that they just appropriated or if they have their own or who knows. No, I, I'd say that this is like maybe, you know, recall their Mars operations for the people on Mars who want right. to uh, have a a trip to Earth, but just with the memories of Earth. Right, but recall was not in, like, associated with Cohagen, Co- right? No, I don't think so. They just marched in and said, hey, we're, gonna, we're taking this yes, over. We're, yeah, I, I run this place. If you want air, I'm using it. Yeah, but uh, he breaks free, the, the, you know. Cohagen and, and Richter leave, and Richter tells him he's going to see him at the party. Yeah, so just I, you, to set up you, I was going to say, you at least have to acknowledge that uh, Cohagen was going to have a big party. Oh, right. I, do, I do like the way Ronnie Cox uh, delivers the line that she, she, you like Malia, she's going to be your babe, is what I think. <laughs> I, think right. I know he says babe, and I think your babe. Yeah, I just love babe. the way he delivers that line. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he's excited to get his buddy back. Like, he yeah. misses Hauser. He wants, his, he wants to give Hauser a reward for uh, his good service. I, I also had that Arnold's got to give these people. Yeah, I don't know why I like the way the way he says, "Give these people air." Yeah, Cohagen's casual kind of indifference about these people. Like he's won, all right? He and he's still Quano's dead. It's like well, he's still going to kill won. all those people. He doesn't care at all. No. I wasn't clear if it was just that red light district. Or if it was just like all of the slums, because people are just lying in the streets. Like, just go home. Can you not <laughs> go home? You, you know, die in your bed. Don't die in the street. Just right. lying in the street. They maybe they're trapped in the red light district. Uh, so I've got you got multiple instances here. You got Arnold face again. We you know we've probably got yeah. at least five or six instances of Arnold face. In and every moment. time he's in this machine, it's just full on. Arnold yeah. face, like maximum Arnold face. But uh, Quaid breaks free, and this is this is very Verhoeven of the weapons that are used in in this. Yeah, I, well, I don't know why this armrest is so pointy. I, <laughs> but he stabs. The it's guy. convenient. Yeah, he rips out the armrest, stabs the guy with it, and then the guy grabs the, the axe on the wall, which is very similar to the surgical two by four. I could wallop you all day with this surgical two by four. Why is there an axe in this facility? Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe Gordy Brewer was uh, hanging around that's there true. in case of fire. That's yes. why that axe is there. Uh, and so I also had one other thing. When he finally breaks free, he does some of the damage. We get another one. I, I didn't realize how many times Arnold says, "Are you all right?" He says this it, to Molina, yeah, so I noted movies. it. Yeah, 
I feel bad I cut out the first instance of that. It's in the eraser. There's a scene where he's like, are you all right? Are you okay? Are you hurt? Are you bleeding? Uh, and we had a long discussion about that that I cut out because that episode oh, okay. was so long. So now now every movie, it's like... I keep highlighting this it. This keeps happening and we never... <laughs> the episode where we first talked about it got cut out. So are you all right? Are you okay? I'll have to do a special edition, like George Lucas style, where I put, it, put out... <laughs> you splice it back the in. eraser again. Uh, and so... This uh, they they escape as you noted. You you got the count too with the guy with the axe to the groin. Yeah, axe to the groin is the guy who gets to pull through the head. Yeah, and then uh, the guy who gets stabbed with the pointy thing. The rest of them are just punches. I don't, I don't yeah, no, they don't. But then so after that escape, you then get Richter walking back into Cohagen's office, and this is when Cohagen finally gives up and gives the order that he should you know yeah kill. Quaid slash Hauser. And he takes his frustration out on a I'm fish. Fish, I don't understand this. I was very upset by this. What what's going on there? Yeah, it is kind of. Uh, I mean, I understand. He's, he's he he lost his friend basically. Richter. He's, he thought he was going to get Richter back, and but all of a sudden, what did the fish I know, do the wrong? Fish, the fish uh, are blameless. I agree. I guess they're collateral. <laughs> they damage. are collateral damage. We really need that clip now. Yes, we do. It's probably more fun to do it ourselves. Collateral, collateral damage. damage. So Molina and Quaid make a break for the reactor now. Yeah, he seems to know where it is, but then there's a dead end. There's a dead end, and conveniently, Benny's going to solve that. Somehow and they, Benny knows where they're going to be, but no, I'll buy it. Well, I'll buy it, but here's the other. They waste a lot of ammunition firing wildly for no reason when it's clear it's not going to work. Well, and also, this drill turns out to be a terrible weapon because they have so many spaces between the bits to just stand. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, they're getting like hit in the arm and stuff, but they're not in really any real danger. They're not, but what, what this all does set up is it, this is... Probably the best, one of the best puns he has it's, in his career. So good. And, and succinct, too. Yes. Like two words. Yes. So good. You so, guys, you guys have some, it's actually a drill. It's not a screw, but no, whatever it is. No, it's a drill. And so first, to, to slow down the, you know, it's kind of ironic, too, right? He uses a smaller drill to basically stop a, right. a bigger drill. He gets the hydraulic fluid or the oil or whatever to to drain out. And Benny, meanwhile, just being like, I'm going to drill you. Oh, he's yeah. just the, he's, Benny's got some great lines. <laughs> he's really into it. Yes. Uh, he's, I'm, I'm, he's, I, I've got Benny's tough talks tough, yeah. but he's not very effective until when he oh, yeah. fi- when he hears the drill coming in and he's just like, oh what he's, what he, what he can't find it. No, and, and then Arnold has the line. Screw you is great. Screw you is so good. It's like it's one of the greatest puns that he has. It'll I be mean, in the running in our recap yeah. of, of the best pun of the yeah. season. I mean, it's sure. up there. Well, this season for sure. And I think it's up there with I suddenly eyes that guy. The cone of phrase. <laughs> Screw you is great. Yeah, that one's really wordy. Or this one is so precise yes. and like yeah, it's it's brevity is. Uh, so, so then the drill did just enough damage to open up where they need to go to get to the reactor. And it's, this is where then, uh, you know, you get, they go up a ladder and run down this, you know, really long bridge. And this is where you get the hologram to finally come back. Yeah. So Richter's brought some soldiers down here, which is, I don't know, like, is he trusting these guys with the secret like reactor or maybe, maybe he's going to kill them when, after Quaid's done, he's just going to shoot them to protect the secret. But. I was going to say knowing Richter. Yeah. That's what he's going to do. Those, those guys were going to be dead no matter what. Probably. But I was just surprised to see that they're trusting these guards with their secrets. But, uh, but so this is where we get the laugh, which is, uh, this, yep. this is another like scene and sequence from Total Recall that I, I'll never forget. Um, and now seeing it, watching it for issues, I don't understand the first use of the hologram. How do the bullets not go through the hologram? How yeah. do they not kill each other? I had that same note, especially because it happens later. Or she- it happens later and it works. So what I have is, I guess, lady parts just work differently as a hologram. That bullets go through a female hologram, but a male hologram... Yeah, they're literally right across from each other. Right. There's two groups of guards, and they're just shooting yes. directly at each other. Yeah, they, they should... They, I mean... They, right. <laughs> but I know what it was. It's because they haven't 
they want an established yet. Yeah, and they haven't established that he's wearing the hologram yet. Right. But then well, his his laugh. I mean, I won't cover it. His laugh. It's worth seeing. Also, his like fake death. Like he's yeah. he's. I like the idea. He's off in a corner somewhere, like acting on his death scene. <laughs> yes. So I'll show them the performance of a lifetime. Like, ah! And then he gets up. Ha, 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 ha. And it goes on for a good four seconds. <laughs> it, do, and it doesn't have a line or a quipper. And he no. just walks away. just laughs at him and walks away. Well, laughs at him, walks away, and then comes. And then you, you can handle the body count because there's, there's a lot here. It was tough. I mean, I, have to, I may need you to, to verify because there's some shots where it's just a gun and like flashes and, and people falling. And bodies. It's, it's really yeah. hard. So I got you know, five in the opening salvo and then they cut to five more getting yep. killed. Uh, Richter kind of takes cover, and then three more, then two more. This is where he goes. He's got a hologram. So, I mean, yep. this is all happening within like five seconds. seconds. Yeah, each shot is like half a dozen guys deaths. just getting mowed down. Uh, six in a narrow corridor. They run in, and then the, they run into like the the like whatever this like reactor forest or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Right. I like that the reactor forest. <laughs> and uh, there's two guys in particular I liked where he 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 runs in and they, he shoots them. They like both like they have very dramatic deaths. Yeah, flip over, just kind of like commando. Yep. Uh, and that's, 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 so what is that, 10, 15, 21 in that first, no, 23. It's <laughs> crazy. Just in the opening, like, right. 15 seconds. And that's then this is, this is where he comes around and goes, do you think this is the real Quaid? Because <laughs> he has a laugh, and the laugh isn't that's as true. good. He does laugh. Because <laughs> it, it's more of like he's trying to do it really fast. He's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you think this is the real Quaid? It is. Yeah, and that's, that's three more. I've there. used that one too many times. I, it, it doesn't even really work in everyday life, but for some reason, I just like saying, everyone, you think this is the real Quaid? It is. <laughs> it also makes no sense. Why would they not shoot? No. Like, just to be safe. Right. They're, it's not going to cost them any bullets. No, but... I, or it's not going to cost them anything, as I guess I'm saying, other than bullets. But it's a, it's a great moment. It's, it's so yeah. fun. This, yeah, this, it, this is goofy, fun action. Yeah. So the, the, the killing slows down. At this point, pretty much they're all dead. Like, there's yeah. only a couple left. He throws the hologram to her, and this is where the two guys kill each other. And that's it. So 28 total. Well, you, 28 deaths in like uh, 45 seconds. You got, you got the Molina ones, too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. He throws her the hologram. Yeah, and they shoot that's, this is the one where I said that lady parts apparently holograms work differently. That they don't accept bullets. Yeah, but this may be the most concentrated, even considering Commando. Yeah, no, it's it's twenty eight deaths. Must be forty five seconds tops. Yeah, it's uh, it's the, the bodies per second, the bodies per minute is off the charts. Yeah, it is. So then, then uh, Richter, all um, Quaid makes a break for for the elevator. Yeah, and leaps onto there. Yeah, and and they're, they're, it's actually a pretty good fight sequence. And I, even though Michael Ironside isn't anywhere near the size of Arnold, I like to think that he's been so menacing and villainous. I like to think that he would be able to hold his own the way he does. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. He's, he's a plausible. I mean, he does lose. So I yeah. mean, he, Arnold does beat him, but I agree completely. He's a, he's a plausible opponent for Arnold. In you know, we've been covering movies plenty of times where he does not have a plausible no. opponent. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good fight. Like, there aren't a lot of good fist fights. You'd think, no. It's surprising going through these movies how, free, how infrequently Arnold has a really fun fist fight. He's just shooting guns. Like, that's, yeah. that's what he does. Uh, you know, whenever he has a fist fight, usually it's, it's a letdown. This is not a letdown. It's a pretty good fight. No. It's a good one, and it does set up. It's graphic, but it's uh, it sets up. They see you at the party, Richter. It's a great line. It's him throwing the throwing arms. the arms. Yeah, it's like Commando where he th- he throws the arm that he cut off with a machete. This one, yeah. he's got two that an elevator took out Richter. He's, he's he has escalated. The, the, so he's gone from one arm to two. Yeah, or he's elevated. I guess. Uh, no pun. I can't. I can't quite make that pun work. But yes. Uh, but I, I again the the party thing in. 
that sets up the line isn't as isn't great, but I like for the payoff. See you at the party, Rick, because he is yeah. kind of like he's laughing at him that his arms have just been ripped off. And yeah. see you at the party, Rick. Though. It's also the shot of the stunt man who has like his arms obviously tucked in underneath his like he's falling and he's he's kind of like ah. ah. Basically, he's got his elbows tucked out. And, like yeah. it's uh, it doesn't that that effect does not look great. The severed arms. But no, it's a it's a very brief shot. So then they. Uh, Head into the the I don't know control. The, the control panel or room whatever it is. Yeah. So this like hand thing is so weird because okay, it's there's no handprint, right? No. You just push it. Yes. So it's just a button. It doesn't need a hand imprint. I didn't there. understand why the hand had to be there. It's no. just a big button, you know. Unless well, the only way it starts to depress is if you have a handprint in it. I guess maybe it's, it's dumb. Like, maybe it's just so you don't bump it by accident, like to the aliens when they built yeah. it. Like, oh, oh, oh <laughs> no, we turned it on. We didn't mean to. You know, Gliptar is so clumsy. <laughs> you activated the reactor again. We got to show. Uh, we got to turn it off. It's like a two-hour sequence. It's the Jar Jar Binks of this. Yes, season. that's what it is. Misa clumsy. Misa start Mars reactor and create atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So uh, yeah, there's uh, effectively a you know the fight sequence here. The only Cohagen shows up. The only thing I loved, I just, I loved that he'll be back in time for cornflake. I love that a villain is enjoying cornflake. So here's, wait, before Deadline, you, yeah, go ahead. Before you get there, here's what I want to know. Do you think, is that what he's serving at the party? Is that what he's, is the villain, he just serves different types of cereal at his parties? That's a great question, because he's going right from here to the party. Right back to the party, right? That's what I'm talking about. I'm like, so do some people, do you get to choose Fruit Loops? Do some, well, you know, I love the idea that his, this, this super villain on Mars, that it's such a delicacy to get, the breakfast cereal that that's what he serves at his parties. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Corn would be like a delicacy because yes. it's Mars. But uh, just the line is great. But I, I, well, I have way too much in my notes on these cornflakes, by I, the way. I have multiple questions about this one line also. So we, okay. we as well, I know we're running along, but let's, we can, let's dwell, get into we can it. dwell on this for a second. Because, okay, here's the full line I wrote down. In 30 seconds, you'll be dead. And I'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes. <laughs> I said, this right sentence raises so many questions. One, why does he feel the need to wait 30 seconds to kill Quaid? Two, why specifically 30 seconds? Three, <laughs> he can blow this place up? Why didn't he do this up for a long time ago? <laughs> Four. Stop. You're right. Four. Why is there a time limit for cornflakes? Being home in time for cornflakes? Does that imply that you could be late for cornflakes? Oh, man. Well, like, I, well, I, I didn't uh, make it in time for cornflakes. Well, wait a minute. For the last one, if what I'm saying is true and that the party, he's afraid that the, his party guests will have eaten all of his cornflakes. <laughs> so he needs to get He's got to get there. Fast. Everyone's going to hog all the cornflakes. Yes. Yeah, I didn't consider that he'd be serving it at his party. That is great. Like I think, I think you're probably right. Like, oh man! So I, and this is something. If we weren't doing this podcast, I mean, I've laughed at it before, but I never put a lot of thought into it. I put a lot of thought into that line. It's a, it's just an amazing line. It's yeah. so preposterous and over the top. Yeah. Also, I timed because he says in 30 seconds you'll be dead. I timed it. He, he tries to pull the trigger 27 seconds later. So they did a pretty good. Okay, that's real th- close. That's good. He doesn't quite get to. He doesn't get the job done. So yeah. yeah so effectively, now what you get is. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, another line I really loved where he goes, uh, Cohagen says, I wanted Hauser back, but no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to be quick. Like, he turns into Steve Martin for a second. He does. Ronnie, Ronnie Cox does <laughs> deliver it very comedically. That's really good. I, I, we, we, we couldn't skip over that line. I just thought, yeah. that, was, I thought that was really funny. So you then got the sequence that uh, the machine gets turned on. Well, no, that the, there's an explosion from the, the bomb, which then I guess cracks the dome must be somewhere. 
Well, he he picks up the bomb, right? Like he, yeah, and he throws it. He throws it, and then then it explodes. Then the the dome must crack or whatever, and that's when the suction starts, and you get the sequence of him using his strength. I, what I liked in this is he eventually does start the reactor, right. but Molina is the one who holds on the longest. I give I give her credit. Yeah, that's true. I you know that uh, I don't know if she weighs less, and so maybe it's easier for her to hold on longer. But I give her credit. She holds on the longest. She's holding on to like a pole. It's like a pole of a like a light stand or something. Yeah, maybe like, it's a better grip. Yeah, he's got like he's holding on to a hose. Or oh, yeah, or a, uh, I think it's a like an extension cord for for somebody that I didn't really notice it. Now that I'm thinking about it, but they just have like floodlights the that somebody floodlight. had in their garage is what's set up around this reactor. And, well, and Cohagen turns it on dramatically when, yes. when Quaid arrives and he, he flips the light on it's like, oh, he's got his gun on him yeah, so, uh, yeah I, this whole like getting sucked out of the, of the the chamber is just there to make a button pushing a button exciting yeah because he's just pushing a button but they had to find a way to make that exciting so they're getting sucked out yeah so they all three of them uh, first Cohagen then Quaid then Molina all are outside and yeah. Uh, the Cohagen, he he doesn't make it because his puppet, he's he's too far exposed. It's ten seconds too soon, he yes. got sucked out of there, and yeah, his eyes fully like you can see like, extend out, yeah. which it's, it, like, it's pretty gross. Yeah, uh, and well, it's the two, two of them are pretty gross too because like the thing's going off, it's it's creating error, and so eventually they're saved. But like their heads and eyes bulge a disturbing amount. <laughs> like they should have been alive at the end of this movie. Like. We saved Mars, and all it but cost I can't us was right, permanent brain damage. <laughs> brain damage in my sight. Right. What I, I did notice, though, that they, when the first shot of like the atmosphere air coming out in, from like a, it almost looked like a volcano. I just said, "This looks like it's like Gozer's domain," because yeah. it just reminded me of opening up and it being Gozer there. There are a few shots that don't have anything to give it scale. There's no like people in the front, and yeah. those shots kind of look like a science fair experiment. Yeah, <laughs> the way it's erupting. Uh, you know, it's one of the weaker effects in this movie. So eventually, the air apparently it just moves like a giant cloud and can crash through windows. Yeah, that stuff looks like goes right. Yeah, now I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so effectively, you then get you know the end of the movie, which is you, the the day is saved and everything that had been laid out by uh, Bob McClane. He he gets the girl, he kills the bad guys, and saves the day. Everything's great. It's like a dream. Yeah, it's like a dream, and you get a little bit of white up in the blue sky atmosphere. Which I I think and I think you think is that's a lobotomy coming. Yeah, I mean it's 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 I don't know why that's there. Otherwise, like if you think this is real and what's happening there, yeah. it's like the sun exploding. Like is it just is it just like an editing technique? It's, it's I yeah. I, I think that's a pretty big hint that that white flash. Yeah, but total recall holds up. Holds up very well. Yeah. So to take care of our body counts. So a body count of eighty seven total. So, wow. Uh, yeah, it's really, pretty good. It's, it's wow, not quite Commando. I, I I I keep forgetting that Commando is now our champion. I think last episode I said it's, uh, it was still uh, Eraser. Yeah, I like totally forgot. But yeah, Commando's gonna be tough to beat. But it comes pretty pretty close. That's it's a lot, close to a hundred. And then pun count of two, uh, one by Arnold, one by Benny. So all right, Benny gets he gets he, Benny, he gets, he gets to deliver one and he gets to receive one. Yes, yeah. Benny's uh, involved in both. Yeah, and then Arnold faced too many to count. I, yes, I it's at least five. So I, I know we're running long, but I just wanted to do a quick recap to a little bit of kind of what was going on in 1990. It, right. Total Recall was the fifth highest grossing picture of 1990, $261 million. Uh, Arnold actually had two of the top ten. Kindergarten Cop was just over $200 million. So it, that was a big year for That was for the same Arnold. year. Huh. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know the 
highest grossing film was Ghost, as much as it kills me. And I was surprised because <laughs> I thought it was going to be Home Alone. Yeah, speaking of Patrick Swayze. Uh, yes, it was Ghost at $505 million. That's, that's a lot of that's money a, in 1990. Yeah, that's a smash hit. Um, and uh, Home Alone, which I actually, I would have thought Home Alone was number one. It was not. Home Alone was number two at $476 million. That was 1990? It was yeah. that, that early? Yeah. I thought it was like 92, 93. No, uh, n- 1990. Um, just to run down them quickly, uh, Pretty Women was next. Dances with Wolves is much as it kills me. I remember 1990 distinctly because it kills me because Goodfellas, I may have already mentioned on this podcast, oh, is one yeah. of my all-time favorite movies. And the fact that Dances with Wolves won the Academy Award to this day bothers me. I mean, you can't take Academy Awards like, seriously. They're not picking the best movie. They never, I, they never do. I understand. What, I'll it's, never move past that one. Because to me, what, uh, what, the, what should be the best picture is the most memorable movie. And to this day, Goodfellas is still discussed and remember Dances with Wolves? N- no. N- new generations are not discovering Dances with Wolves. I've never seen Dances with Wolves, actually. There you so. go. And so anyway, just to finish it up, Back to the Future Part 3 was number 6. Yeah. Die Hard 2, number 7. Number 8 was Presumed Innocent. And number 9 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, Okay. Wow, I, I would have never guessed it was that high, it would be that high. I guess the turtles were quite a phenomenon in 1990. But yeah, but I didn't know the money the movie made that much money. No, I I was impressed. I mean, this was a big uh, Total Recall was a big budget movie. I mean, there were, there was a lot that was spent on this movie, and it might yeah. have been the most expensive movie made. Um, it was up there for sure. Yeah, um, but it, it it did very well and was was a huge success for Arnold. Just uh, some other things that I had noticed. Uh, Seagal had a couple of movies early on in the year, Hard to Kill. I don't. I don't really know that one, um, but all those early ones blend together for me. Yeah, I'm not a Seagal fan. But uh, Hunt for Red October was actually 1990, so the start of the Jack Ryan uh, series. Was that not in the top ten? That no. didn't make a top ten gross. No, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles did gross better. More. Than, yes, that's completely flipped from what I would have expected. Um, and so what? I, what I had is I moved down the year. This was a bad year for Tom Hanks because he had Joe versus the volcano. Oh yes, and Bonfire for the Vanities. Two that, huge debacles. That now it is a bad year. It, but it wouldn't be shortly thereafter. He became one of the big. Philadelphia was, I think, the next year. So it, it became where either the next year or ninety two. You had Forrest Gump in ninety four. I mean, he became a huge movie star shortly thereafter with a right, bunch yeah. of success. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there, there was, there wasn't a ton of like great action movies, but I, I did notice a Mel Gibson birdie, uh, Goldie Hawn bird on a wire. The only reason I wanted Bill Duke is in that movie. So I wanted to highlight that one from he, Commando. I've, I've never seen that either. It seems like kind of a bad year. From it, what... There's not a ton. Uh, Firebirds with Nicolas Cage and Tom Lee Jones. Oh, I've seen bits and pieces of that. I've never seen the whole it's thing. It's not good. I think that's one one of our uh, our friends enjoys because I think that's the one where Nicolas Cage says, you want some strawberry gum? It's delicious. <laughs> I'm only saying that for one person in the world, and okay. he'll probably get a laugh out of it. Uh, in June, which is around the time when um, uh, this was coming out, uh, this might have actually been a July release, uh, another 48 Hours, Dick Tracy and RoboCop 2 uh, came out. None of those spectacular. None of them spectacular. But the last Bruckheimer Simpson movie, Days of Thunder, actually came out in June as well. That was because Don Simpson, I think, uh, was was dead. Just at the filming of Days of Thunder, I think he he, he yeah. died. That one I think is underrated now. What, Days of Thunder. Yeah, people. No, I, I think so too. I enjoy Days of Thunder. I do too. I think people still talk about Top Gun, for instance. But yeah. Days of Thunder has kind of been forgotten. No, I, I, I think I, it's. I mean, as it, good, it, if it, not better. Yeah, and it was the. I mean, that era and what they made, and Jerry Bruckheimer obviously continued to have successful movies. Right. But um, you know, 
that's forgotten. And it was almost looked like it was a flop. I think it might not have been box office wise what they wanted it to be, but I think it's a good movie. I'm not sure if it was a flop or not, but I just know it hasn't stood the test of time. Strangely, I, pe- I just don't know why pe- people Gun, like it fondly. Right. Yeah. Top Gun is still fondly remembered and Days of Thunder is just and no one even talks about it anymore. So then just kind of rounding out in July, Die Hard 2, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane was uh, one that I wanted to highlight. Boy, oh boy. Uh, in the same month, Navy Seals, which is Michael Bean, and that was not a good action movie. That I, was one of his that, like, his career was... When we said, we don't know why he didn't do very many things, that might have been one of them. I've not seen that. I should probably see it, even if it is bad. Uh, Air America with Mel Gibson and uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's kind of an action movie. I don't know if you remember it or not. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it, don't remember. It's it at not all. a great one. Here's one: the establishment of Liam Neeson as an action star. Dark Man. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit different than his current uh, his action current ones. His. It is. Uh, but so I've got then just rounding out. Goodfellas comes out in in a month or so in like September. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. I will continue to. Defend that movie to anybody who will say differently. No, you don't. Who, who's who's I, arguing against? It's the dances with wolves. It just bothers me. I don't think you need to defend. I think everyone agrees at this point. I got one here that I think you're going to like, though. I come in peace with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, I, I haven't watched that. I saw that on Amazon Prime recently. I think it was on Prime. And I'm like, I need to watch that. I haven't watched that since the '90s, and I need to see it again. Uh, Mark Hill leaving pieces. Yes, Mark. That's for, that's a great pun. That is marked for death with Steven Seagal. So Seagal had two. Uh, Rocky Five. I know you're a Rocky fan. Rocky yep. Five is that year. Another movie that I feel like is unfairly maligned. Oh, that one's actually maligned. I think Days of Thunder is just forgotten. Whereas yeah. Rocky Five, I think Rocky Five is better than people give it credit give it credit for. for. I don't. If, if we ever, if we end up moving on to Stallone, the, the only problem with that is I'm just gonna gush about all the Rocky movies. <laughs> Because I love them so much. I, I really do think Rocky Five is better than people think. I don't disagree. I, I, I think it's unfairly maligned. I mean, look, t- Tommy Morris and Tommy Gunn is not that strong. Yeah, he's but not a good actor, but, you know, he doesn't need he, to. He was fine. He, l- l- just to finish him out, here's Predator 2 came out in 1990. I don't mind Predator 2. It's really? Not, it's not good, but. Oh, I don't think it's good at all. I have, I have a fondness for it. Uh, just finishing out The Rookie, which is a Charlie Sheen, uh, Clint Eastwood action right. movie. And then the last one. Kindergarten Cop, which is more of a co- action comedy, uh, but I just it, it is impressive to have two top ten movies in the same year. I got to say, I mean, you listed a lot of uh, like noteworthy movies there, but I don't. That doesn't sound like a great year, just in general. There are no. a couple good. I mean, Goodfellas is a, like, a great movie, no question about it. And, yeah, no, and, and I I skip some of the dramas. There's some other good movies in there, but no, it's yeah. not like a great year for film. The reason I remember it so fondly is it has one of my like top 10 movies of all time is Goodfellas. And so I will forever remember 1990, but yeah. in the action, you're right. Things like RoboCop two, predator two, they're, they're, they're a not. lot of sequel die hard to a lot of sequels. Yes. That, that are subpar sequels to, I, I, I know you don't like RoboCop as much as me, but sequels to what I will say are pretty iconic, uh, action movies. None of which the se- the, the second ones are anywhere close yeah. to the first. Yeah. Well, Rocky five, like I said, not, not, not so bad, but yeah. still subpar compared to other Rocky movies. Yes. Yeah, that's that's Total Recall though. I mean, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's a really good movie. It is. It's held up well, and this was a, this was a fun one to do. I think this is a, a little bit longer of an episode, but I, there's a lot of there was a lot of stuff to cover. It's not just us going through the sequence of 
the movie. There's a lot of stuff to talk about on this one. Yeah, it's a movie like this. How could you not? You know, there's, there's so much to talk about. There's yeah. no question about it. Yeah, but thumbs up for sure. Thumbs <laughs> up, one definitely. Of, one of the better movies we're going to watch in this in the course of this podcast. So now uh, I think yeah. it's it's my job to pick the next one, right? Yeah. So okay. So what's left? You got uh, comic book comic adaptations, bo- comedies, comedies, and uh, weird weird early stuff. Right? Weird early so, stuff. Those are our categories that are left. Those are the ones that are left, and. No matter which one I pick, I am going to have dominated, as you've dominated big budget action, I'm going to dominate these, because each one of these three were ones that I've used before. Okay. Well, so maybe we'll try to even it out. The, maybe. The, the, if we don't, we don't. End. Because I think you and I each have different likes as well, so that, yeah. that we kind of lean towards different movies sometimes. I mean, the, the purpose of these categories really is to make sure that we're Cover. changing it up. Yeah. We're not just doing the same kind of movie over and over. over so, I mean, you know, it, it, pick what you want. It's, no, like, so I, I went back and forth, and... Um, I ultimately I had thought about Kindergarten Cop because it was done in the same year, but I'm like, you know what? I want to space it out. So, oh, are we going for early stuff? No, we are oh. going to go for comic book adaptations. And I've decided since you had noted earlier that we have at least one listener who has uh, requested something. I'm going to give them what they want. I'm going to take Killian, and we're going to do Red Sonja. Okay. I've Movies. never seen it before. I don't know it at all. Yeah, me neither. So this will be this was going to take a little more work on both of our parts because we haven't seen it, but uh, we're going to give them what they want. So I believe there's no connection between that movie and the Conan and the Barbarian movies. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I see. It was made after the two Conan and the Barbarian movies. My worry because I don't think he plays Conan, but I think maybe it exists in the same universe. I'm not sure. By the way, that those are in the comic book adaptations movie. Yep. And the Colin the Barbarian movies, we know that that he started. He wasn't a comic book first, but I think that was at the time that was what Colin the Barbarian was a very popular comic book. So yeah. Whatever, it was just for the sake of categories. Yeah, I don't want people like going like that. That wasn't originally a comic book. Like, you know, yeah, the internet is what it is. So I just just wanted to make sure we're clear on that. That's fair. But uh, yeah, Red Sonia. I, I'm ho- I, I don't believe there's any connections, and that way we're not going out of order. I'm just worried about like. Hey, Jumping to the third movie of possibly a series, but I don't think it is. Maybe, yeah, and even if there is, it it is what it is. But I I appreciate that we've got people out there yeah, that someone, are asking us to do stuff, so I, I'm going to do it. It's like I said, if someone wants to hear something, and you're we don't have a preference. Just yeah, use let's a do it. Breaker. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. For and I, I'm excited too because uh, it's something we haven't seen before. So like on Maggie, I I enjoy the ones where I got to not that I didn't put time in on this one, but that I'm not just. Reminiscing of yeah, yeah. Re- reminiscing on how much I love. <laughs> it's, easy, I, it's easier when you're familiar with the you, yeah. you know you come. In, we're already coming in with thoughts on Total yeah, Recall, like absolutely. a lifetime of thoughts. About, yes, about 20, 25 years of thoughts on Total Recall. Yeah, we're so. gonna we're knocking out all the stuff we've never seen. There won't be yeah. much after after this. No. Uh, we, we covered in a previous episode. I won't yeah. have to try to remember, but uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. So yeah, until then you can uh, write us an email at questions at bpamg.com and uh, follow us on Twitter at Bad Funds Podcast. And please like us on your podcast app of choice. And if you've got people out there that you want to recommend us to, please do. And now maybe the, the, my most important job is to give you the rule in a crisis situation. Yes, please do. This one was a little tough, but uh, I thought long and hard. And when you're in a crisis, many times you're trying to make a getaway. And what I've learned in two instances, never trust a cabbie to be your getaway driver. <laughs> they may either try and run you down. I actually know they'll try and run you down, not necessarily in your cab in both instances, but they right. will try and kill you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you're in a crisis and you're trying to flag down a cab, they'll probably try and kill you. Benny is no better than Johnny Cab. He only no. has a much heavier piece of machinery to, <laughs> to and, run, run him down And with. Johnny Cab just has a better noise, which is... <laughs> 
I don't know. Benny has a very similar scream. I guess. It actually makes kind of the same noise when he dies. So. Instead of the Wilhelm scream, it's the cabbie scream of. That's true. They should start using that instead of the Wilhelm scream. I'd be, yes. I, 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 put, I, I support that 100%. So that's, uh, that's the rule. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. You know, I, we, we've never really. I, I realized we should be saying I'll be back at the end of these. <laughs> we'll be back. I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. We don't have. We don't have uh, our, our I guess we should say phrase. well we should say we'll be back probably it's, at the end of the it's, it's like you know, the end of Bond movies to say James Bond will return, we'll return. Like, you know, in our podcast you know, we, we'll be back yep. with Red Sonja that's what we should do so right. let's do it now and you know what we'll alternate you're going to do it this one <laughs> okay uh, we're going to lose track of that very quickly no <laughs> I'll, I'll, do my, I'll do my best but you're going to do it this one okay so am I doing it in Arnold's voice or just in my own voice okay we'll, we'll be back see you now <laughs> You're too nervous. This is already. I mean, our, our endings are already such train wrecks. This is just, at least now. This is just. <laughs> this is this is part of the course. Okay, here we go. We'll be back with Red Sonia. Today we'll be discussing Total Recall, released by TriStar Pictures on June 1st, 1990, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, (laughs) That's going in the show.